0: There is the Board of Trade American Legion Band, directed by Colonel Armin Hand, the singing by the crowd of the National Anthem, the Chicago Policemen with their six-pointed stars like the Keystone Cops, the first names used on the loudspeakers, the very military ushers, the crowded people on the housetops of the small apartments that adjoin the park here, and the stands and the stadium with its vine-covered outfield walls, and all of it adds up to tremendously mounting interest as we move into this fifth game of the 45 World Series, with each team holding two victories to its credit, and the ice bound to be broken today. It could be said that Detroit has the upper hand, because Dizzy Trout came through yesterday, and they have great expectations of the star lefty Hal Newhouser today, and then tomorrow, for the Tigers, it will be that fireball sailor man, Virgil Trucks. Trout, Newhouser, Trucks. T N T, T N T, TNT, maybe. Because today, there goes against the Tigers for the Chicago Cubs. Hank Beroy. Hank the X-Yank, and Baroy has been the standout pitcher for the Cubs in their pennant drive, and he's been their standout, uh, at least half of it in the series so far. It's this boy Baroy who has won eight straight ball games now, seven at the tail end of the season, and the first game of the World Series. He hasn't been defeated since the 24th of August, when he lost a one-to-nothing decision to Harry McKean of the Cardinals. But Roy has defeated these Tigers in his lifetime 12 times out of 15 decisions. So it could be said that he has a bit of a jinx on them. He has been the pitcher in each of the crucial games as far as the Cubs' fate has been concerned in 1945. He pitched and won the crucial game against the St. Louis Cardinals. He was the winning pitcher in the pennant-winning game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He pitched the first World Series game and a 9-0 victory it was for the Cubs. And today he pitches the rubber game of the first five. On the other hand, tall, talented, one of the best lefties ever to throw a baseball is Hal Newhouser, Detroit born and bred, who won 29 games and lost only nine last year for the Tigers for an amazing record and came back this year to win 25 and to lose only nine. And it was Newhouser today's pitcher for Detroit, who won the crucial pennant-clinching game for the Detroit Tigers against the Brownies a week ago Saturday. So those are the two pitchers as we move in on this particular ball game here today. Uh, incidentally, a little sidelight on these pitchers. The day before the series began up in Briggs Stadium in Detroit, while the Tigers were having their last pre-series workout, a kid came out on the field and was looking for Newhouser. And his message was that Mrs. Newhouse had called up and asked if Hal couldn't hurry home a little bit early because the movers were there. And Newhouse and his wife, a couple of young kids, a very, very good-looking young kids they are, were moving the day before the series. And the night before the series, Newhouser. I slept in a strange place, and perhaps he was heir to all the backbreaking tasks that a husband has to go through when moving is underway. And the next day, he was knocked out of the box. As far as Hank Baroy is concerned, as we mentioned on this broadcast the other day, his wife is not here because they're expecting a baby in the Baroi household. And Hank told me after we mentioned that the other day, everybody was calling up, including newspapermen, who wanted to take pictures of the baby. They thought it was born while he was out here pitching. I'd like to pass on one other little bit of information before we move to Bill Corham, and that is that regardless of the outcome of the ball game today, Claude Passo
1: will be the starting pitcher for the Chicago Cubs tomorrow.
0: The 36-year-old veteran pitching after a two-day rest. But he's here on 109 pitches and registering the greatest triumph in World Series history in 39 years on Friday. And it'll be Passo tomorrow, the ace, uh, as far as perfection is concerned, of the Chicago Cubs pitching staff. And against Passo will be Virgil Firetrucks. So that is a little bit of the situation now as we're about ten minutes away from the start of this fifth game here at Wrigley field in Chicago. Seated to the left of me now, and it's good luck for all of us, is the famous sports syndicate uh, columnist, uh, Bill Corum. And Bill
2: has his usual smile and his usual fund of information for us. And now, friends, here's Bill Corum. Bill? Thank you, Bill Slayer. It's mighty nice to be here on this gorgeous, wine-like October afternoon. The World Series has done us very well indeed. This year because we started with bad weather in Detroit and gradually got better until this game which is the game of the series and coming very fortunately on Sunday when so many folks can listen to it and we hope you all are wish you could be here with us because this is a baseball afternoon and this game is it weather Baroy. Or Al Newhouser wins this game, I believe, will decide this 1945 World Series. Of course, it would be possible for the losing team to come back tomorrow and then win two straight, but there hasn't been the break in the series yet, and now I think we've come up to it with the lean, long limber courtsider from Detroit against Baroy, the Jersey boy almost as tall, but a right-hander and a very smart pitcher. A fellow with not as much stuff as Newhouser on the ball, but he knows the chore out there all right, is Mr. Baroy, and he sort of had a deep, dark indigo jinx against these Tigers ever since he came out of Fordham and started pitching Major League Baseball. Getting back to yesterday's game for a minute, uh, Clark's performance was, his catcher Richard said, the best in three years, and certainly it was marvelous. I thought I knew after Cavaretta was called out for breaking his wrist, that's not actually, of course, but for half-swinging on a third strike on a 3-2 pitch, and uh, Mr. Crott took his glasses off and began looking up at the sun and wiping the mist off of him and giving the crowd jitters that he was home. That's when he begins to act that way. He's quite a pitcher, and that's what he was doing yesterday after he got rid of Cavaretta, He was head man from then on. When he's in trouble, why, Dizzy uh, kind of lives up to his name. He gets to pitching very fast. One of the most popular players, of course, in all Detroit history and one of the best-liked all the way around the American League and a great after-dinner speaker and genial soul, lovable guy. It was great to see that your guy come through and win the ballgame yesterday no matter which side you're rooting for because if you know Diz Trout, you've got to root for him some. So today we're going to have the payoff here before undoubtedly a capacity crowd and of course the biggest World Series since the war the biggest in every way they just told me in there in the press box it's the biggest file in many years maybe will be if it goes six or seven games the biggest of all time and mentioning these fine ushers out here at beautiful Wrigley Field I think we ought to say that they're in charge of Andy Plain a grand fellow who's had him ever since the Chicago World Fair goes down to Derby with him and does such a splendid job where everything runs so efficiently the most efficient efficiently run uh, ballpark, in my opinion, in this whole country. The umpires are out there at the plate now, and uh, they're all gathered around with the two managers, the man playing in center field. This, I was talking about the size of this series, players will get the most money that they've ever gotten, I'm sure, something over $7,000. Of course, they finished uh, sharing in the receipts yesterday, and the winning team will get a has a pool of $187,200 and nine cents to be exact to cut up. That's out of a total pool of $445,714.50, and the losing team share will be $124,800.06. So I know that this will be a record because it's got to go over 7000 and the best winning share previous to this, the biggest, was in 1935 when the Tigers, who don't win often but get rich when they do, picked up $6,544.76 each. Well, it's going to be the big show, and everything is set. The announcer is down there calling off the lineups, and that's all from me for now, folks. But I'll be back to give you a quick summary when the game ends. Folks, let's think back a little to the early and dark days of the war at sea. The
0: lifeboats filled with frozen bodies. Remember the flaming tankers off the Atlantic coast, luridly lighting our pleasure beaches? Remember the blitz on London's docks, the perilous dive through the Mediterranean where the Luftwaffe bombed and strafed? Well, if you do, and who doesn't, you'll take your hat off to the men who dared and died to deliver the goods. The American merchant marine. And they are still delivering the goods, sticking to their ships. Right now, our merchant fleet is busier than ever and needs more licensed officers and seamen with certificates. If you are qualified, write or wire collect to Merchant Marine, Washington, 25, D.C. Standby pay starts immediately upon acceptance. And now here we are, just moments away from the start of the fifth game of the 1945 World Series, and here are the batting orders. For Detroit, the lead off hitter will be the shortstop, Skeeter Webb. Batting number two will be Mayo, the second baseman. Batting number three will be Kramer, the center fielder. Batting number four is Greenberg, the left fielder. Batting number five is Columbine, the right fielder. Batting sixth is York, the first baseman. Batting seventh is Outlaw, the third baseman. Batting eighth is Richards, the catcher. And batting ninth in pitching is Hal Newhouser. here is the batting order for the Chicago Cubs, the home-standing team. The leadoff hitter will be Stanley Hack, the third baseman. Batting number two will be John Johnson at second base. Batting third will be Peanuts Lowry, the left fielder. Batting fourth will be Cabaretta, the first baseman. Batting number five will be Pat Hill, the center fielder. Batting sixth will be Nicholson, the right fielder. Batting seventh will be Livingston, the catcher. Batting eighth will be Lynn Marilla, who's playing at shortstop. And batting ninth will be Borelli, the pitcher. There are the batting orders now, ladies and gentlemen, on national anthem. of the umpires for this afternoon Billy Summers of the American League is at home plate Lou Jordan of the National League is at first base Art Passarello of the American League is at second base and John O'Connor of the National League is at third base now the Cubs are in the field behind the plate is Mickey Livingston their catcher at first of course is Phil Cabaretta at second baseman is Don Johnson and at shortstop is Len Murillo starting for the first time in the series at third base is Stan Hack in left field is Peanuts Lowry. he's talking to someone in the crowd right now in center field is Andy Papcorn and right field is Bad Bill Nicholson, and Baroi is now striding to the mound. So this game is about to get underway in just a couple of moments. And just before it does, as the high moment comes up here in this fifth World Series, let's pause just ten seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
3: This is WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West.
0: Steve O'Neill of the Tigers steps into the third base coaching box. Art Mills is coaching at first, the leadoff hitter for the Tigers. Skeeter Webb, the shortstop, is about to step up there. And now about to step up to our microphone to bring you the play-by-play description of the first four and a half innings of this important World Series ball game here at Wrigley Field in beautiful Chicago is Al Helper with a big smile on his face and his pencil and his tongue all ready to get going. All right, Al.
3: Well, thank you, Bill. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are ready for the fifth game of the World Series right here at beautiful Wrigley Field in Chicago. And the only change in the starting lineups, as have been announced for the first four games, is that Hughes has been taken out church stop for Chicago, and Len Murillo of East Boston, Massachusetts, has been injected into the Cub lineup. And the lineups given you by Bill Slater's, Slater is, is correct. The lineup for Chicago and the lineup for Detroit. And now we're about ready to go with the first batter up here for Detroit. That's Skeeter Webb hitting at 188 for his play in the series. And Hank Baroly, who has once beaten these Tigers... And the series is ready. Makes his first pitch and it's swung on and fouled off into the screen for strike one. I had a long talk with Hank just before the game and he was very much concerned about the ball game today. He said, uh, there's only one thing I'd like you to do for me, Al, and I said, what's that, Hank? He said, I'll just tell the folks back home that I'm all right and I'm out there gunning for this second. So I had a talk with Hal Newhouser, and he said the same thing that you Detroit fans would want to know about. Now, all is ready is another fast curve low under the knees of Webb. That levels the count off at one and one. This is the top half of the first inning and this is the very first batter up. Skeeter Webb, he went 0 for 5 yesterday, didn't get a base hit. He swings on his next pitch and there's a slow roller to third. Stanley Hack comes up with it nicely on a big hop, close to first, but that's all for Webb. Going out 5 to 3. We had some inquiry of what we meant by 5 to 3. We should like to explain it very quickly. All the uh, men out on the diamond being numbered. And in this particular case, the third baseman happens to be number five. So when he throws that ball over to the first baseman, who is number three, that means the man has rolled out five to three. So you start with the pitcher numbering one, the catcher two, the first baseman three, the second baseman four, the third baseman five, and the shortstop six. Now here's Eddie Mayo, swinging on the first pitch and falls it right back into the screen for strike one. Eddie Mayo is hitting number two and playing second base for Detroit, so his number defensively would be four. Hank Broy takes his sign again from Mickey Livingston. Fordham Hank pumps, delivers a medium-speed curveball. It's hit out into left field. There goes Peanuts Lowry over near the line. He can't get it. It drops in perhaps for extra bases, but rounding first base, Eddie Mayo. trips, stumbles, falls on his face and gets up in time to get back to first safely. That was a long single. Hit out into left field by Eddie Mayo. He hit an outside pitch, dumped it into left field right along the foul line and may have gotten to second, but he stumbled and fell as he rounded first base. That's the very first hit in the ball game, and Brewery gives it up to Detroit's number two hitter. Now hitting in the number three spot is the center fielder, Doc Kramer. Kramer's hitting at 357 for the series. He has five for 14. He's a left-hand hitter, stands deep at the plate, and sort of guards it from behind. Brewery serves him one up. It's a medium-speed curve. It's outside and high for ball one. So the Tigers here in the top of the first inning, with one out, have Eddie Mayo on at first base roy stretches. Goes over to first. Mayo jumps in ahead of it. Bill Cabaretta returns that ball to the mound. Without Kramer up there, hitting left-handed, the outfield is spanned around to right and playing deep. Down comes the pitch, and there's a ball hit right back to the mound. Hank Roy knocks it down, picks it up, throws to first base, and that is all for Kramer. On the play, Eddie Mayo goes into second base. Well, that's the second out here for the Detroit Tigers. That certainly was not a sacrifice. As Kramer was hitting away and he hit that ball solidly and wrapped it right back at the shins of Hank Baroy. Hank knocked it down all right and for the moment couldn't find it. He quickly pranced on it and threw it across to first base. Now here is Hank Greenberg. Hank Greenberg yesterday had one base hit in three tries, had himself a single to left field. In the series, Hank is hitting 273. He said three for 11, got him in the home run. Hank, a tall right hand hitter. Swings on the first kick and doesn't get it. Right down. And Dewey had a fast curve dancing just under the lettering of the shirt and on the inside corner of the plate. go two down for Detroit here in the top of the first inning. Eddie Mayo is on at second base. There's no score in his fifth game of the series. Bray delivers. Greenberg swings and misses. That's strike two. No balls, two strikes. That's a count on right-hand hitting Hank Greenberg. He can really pound that potato. Hank Broy knows it. Broy carefully sets, delivers a fastball, swung on and miss the strike three. That was foul-tipped. It was foul-tipped. we we'll to take that all back. That's just enough of the tip of foul, and Mickey Livingston didn't hold it. So immediately, the plate umpire, Billy Summers, turned around and gave us a sign. Tell us that Hank Greenberg's batting life at the plate was still preserved. Here throws again, and Greenberg swings as a ball hit down to Stanley Hack at third. He picks it up after muffing it, throws over to first base, not nearly in time, and the runner is safe at first base. Stanley Hack tried to grab a hot ground ball at his feet and had it get away from him about five feet. He scampered after it and picked it up. And made his throw over to Phil Cabaretta. It was a hurried throw, and Phil had to dive out to his right to scoop it up. And by the time Cabaretta had picked that ball up, Hank Greenberg was on at first base, and Mayo had scampered into third, and that's how the situation now stands. Runners at first and third. It's an error, all right. It's going to be an error, and it's going to be on Stanley Hack. So Greenberg is on. And the batter is Roy Columbine hitting left-handed. That's the first error in this afternoon's play. It's charged up to Stanley Hack, who very seldom ever commits them. pitches to Cullenbine, who swings on this pitch, and there's a foul ball down the left field line and back into the stands for strike one. Here's a situation in the top half of any number one. Eddie Mayo is on at third. Big Hank Greenberg is on at first. There are two outs, and there's no score. And Cullenbine, who is hitting at 091, he has one hit in 11 tries. He's up at the plate. And Roy settles down now, delivers the plate. Columbine swings and there's a long drive going out into left field and it is in foul territory by about a fifth. <laughs> oh there's a all one down. 3rd umpire, Jocko Conlon, the National League, says no. That's in foul territory. It was very close. It's very close to the left field line. Steve O'Neill doesn't put up too much of a protest. Coming back into the diamond now is Conron. Steve O'Neill is talking to Coleman. However, the runners are all being called back. Eddie Mayo goes back to third, and Greenberg moves back to first place. Greenberg is now talking to plate umpire Bill Summers. The public address announcer is just telling the thousands here at the Greenfield what we've already told you. But on the play at third base, Pat was charged with an error. We've already told you about it. So Roy Cullenbyne has to go back to the plate. There's still a little going down behind the home plate with Bill Summers and Steve O'Neill. Now Jock O'Connell is being called down from third base where he's been umpiring. Jock O'Connell is the one that called that hit as a foul ball into the corner in left field. Steve O'Neill is still talking to Connor, but the decision is going to stand. It was a foul ball hit out behind left field. It was just fired by inches. It was a very close decision, and Jocko Kongman, the umpire, was riding it all the way. So it goes back now to the status of uh, a man at first and a man at third. Two outs, top of the first inning. No score, and the batter is Cullendine, and his count is no balls, two strikes. And Perora, probably feeling a great deal better about it all, is ready to pitch once more to Cullenbine, hitting left handed. Perora settles down now, delivers. And Columbine takes a fast minute The strike three.
1: That's the first
3: strikeout. The ball game. Baroy gives it up. No runs. One hit, two men left, and there was one error on the Chicago Ball Club. So the score at the end of the top of the first inning, Detroit nothing, and Chicago nothing. It takes a crackerjack ball team to win both ends of twenty double headers in the season, as the Cubs did this year. Yes, and it takes a crackerjack shaving team to lick tough beard day after day and to give you smooth, good-looking shades at really rate. Fans to whisk off stubble as easy as a mint dusts off home plate, do the job the all Gillette way. A. Prepare your beard with Gillette shaving cream. B. Skim it off smooth as silk with today's Gillette Blue Blade in your Gillette Razor. It makes no difference which type of cream you prefer, Gillette Lather or Gillette Brushless. Both hold abundant moisture and are fast-acting, thorough-going beard softeners. Yes, and the Gillette Razor and Gillette Blue Blade make up for the rest of the job and make it a cinch. Remember, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever the Now for the last half of the first inning. And the Chicago Cubs are going to get their opportunity... The Detroit Tigers have already had those in the top of the first. It's a nothing to nothing ball game, and Stanley Hack, who had an arrow charged against him in the top of the first inning, is going to be the first hitter up for Chicago. Hack has had six hits. He's 17 at-bats here in this series. He went over for 4 yesterday, and he's hitting right now at 3-5-3. <laughs> Out on the mound, Big Hal is a 24-year-old left-hander. He's pumping before his first pitch now. Twists. He delivers it down, and it's in there for a strike. As we started to tell you earlier, Al Newhouser said just before the game that he was really after this one. I let the folks back in Detroit know that he was really after it. He pitches now, and Hack takes a nice hook. It's just outside of ball one. One ball, one strike. That's the count on Stanley Hack, the lead off man for the Chicago Cubs. Newhouser bends that left arm now again, and Hack takes a high curve. It's outside again. That's ball two. We we'll set the Tigers for you defensively now. Newhouse on the mound. Carl Richards behind the plate. First place is Rudy York. At second is Eddie Mayer. At shortstop Skeeter, where at. third is Jimmy Out in left field, Sam Greenberg. In center, corner Kramer. in right field, Roy Cullenback. Newhouser throws a fast low curve into the dirt. That's ball three. Carl Richards very nicely came up with it. So the count on Stanley Mack, the first Chicago up here in the last half of the first inning. It's one strike and three balls. Those we've always given a two, three and one. Newhouse, throws three and one, and it's in for a strike. And just rolled back and came down with a fastman and scored right over the knees and right through the middle. So this is the first three-two count we've had in this afternoon's ball game. Act hitting left-handed. Swings on his next pitch, and there's a ball hit the power back the third base. Charlie Grimm coaching down behind third. Jumped up and spun all the way around, slapped his hands together. Well he's a share all on his own. He's trying to play a pretty smart tune on that banjo of his, too. Now the next 3 2 to game, on standing up. The stony man next wings on it, it back into the netting. The count stays at three and two. No score in this ballgame between the and Chicago. Joyce picked himself up the hit in the first inning, but got no farther. Newhouser delivers a fast low curve on the outside. He gets away from Richards and Stanley Hack just moves on down to first base on ball four and doesn't try for anything more. So Hack has walked to start the last half of the first inning. Newhauser gave up five bases on balls, pitching the first game against Chicago, and of course, in the World Series now, this is the sixth one that he has given up. The batter is Don Johnson, hitting right handed. Heading in the series at 2.35. Newhauser pitches a fast curve that's in and over nicely for called strike one. No outs, last half of the first. Chicago has Stanley Hack on at first, he was walked. And this is Johnson, who yesterday tripled. He swings on a high curve and fouls it back into the netting. Now he's counter strike two. Johnson had two hits and four tries in yesterday's ball game. And as we've said, won a triple. For the series, he's had four hits and 17 at bats, hitting a 2-3-5. Right-hand hitter standing deep at the plate. Newhouseer curves him, and another one is swung on. There's another foul back onto the screen. So the count stays right on at no balls, two strikes. This is Don Johnson, the second baseman, hitting for Chicago. Hack takes a short lead at first. Rudy York straddle on the inside corner as Newhouser delivers to the plate. It's swung on, a missed. A strike three, and that's all for Johnson. Well, that's Neuhauser's first strikeout. He struck out four the last time he faced Chicago. That was the opening day at Briggs Stadium in Detroit. So now in the series, he struck out five. Little Harry Lowry, who had one hit and four tries yesterday, is coming up to the plate. He's going pretty well, this right hand hitter. That's five for 16 for the series, hitting it 3-1-3. Newhouser throws a hook in there that's hit down to second base. Mayo comes up with it, and the base runner is clapped. That's Hack, but the throw goes to first base, and now Hack is midway between first and second. He's being run down by Rudy York, and by Skeeter Webb, Rudy York. And then Mayo gets the ball from Rudy York and runs Stanley Hack down and tags him out. So it's actually a double play. Larry hits down to second base, to Eddie Mayo, and is thrown after Rudy York. And then York relayed that ball back to Skeeter Webb. The shortstop covering it second, and the ball came back to York. Then York fired that ball to Eddie Mayo, who had gotten back into the play, and the double play was effective. So Hack was tagged out by Mayo, who ran him down on the base pass. So in the first inning, no runs, no hits. Nobody left in the window So at the end of one full inning of play, the score stands nothing and nothing. Well, each day since the opening of this World Series, we've been explaining how these games are being broadcast to our servicemen and women overseas through the far-flung network of the Armed Forces Radio Service, our play-by-play descriptions are being short from San Francisco to Japan, China, Alaska, South America, to the Philippines, and to our Navy ships throughout the Pacific. From New York, they are beamed over the Atlantic to England, France, Germany, Italy, and to the Far East. We are happy to say that the Armed Forces Radio Service are receiving these wires from all over the world, telling them that the reception of the game so far has been excellent, and we're certainly very glad of that. Now we're waiting for the top of the second inning. The first man up for Detroit is going to be Rudy York, the big first baseman the Detroit Tigers. York's coming up for his first at-bat today. He went 0 for 3 yesterday. Roy comes down with his first pitch. It's a low curve. swung on and missed by Rudy for strike one. York so far in the series is hitting at 154. He has two hits for 13 tries. The big right hand hitter stands very deep at the plate takes his next pitch and it's right through there for a called strike as Baroy came down with a fast hook so the count on Rudy York is no balls, two strikes there's no score in this game between Detroit and Chicago this is the fifth game of the series now Baroy tries a high curve on Rudy York this time and misses completely with it so the count on York is one ball, two strikes he's the first Tiger up here in the top of the second inning York pumps once, twists, throws a fast hooking at a swung on a missed for a strike, and that's the third one. So York goes down via the strikeout route, and that is the second strikeout for Burroway. And here comes little Jimmy Outlaw, the third baseman. Jimmy yesterday got one base hit in four tries, and for the for the series he's hitting three for fifteen, or a percentage of two hundred. Jimmy's a choke hitter, hits right-handed, and has his legs widespread apart. Roy tries a curve on him that's good at the plate. So of course, his count is quickly strike one. One off for Detroit here in the top of the second inning. And there's no score in the ballgame. DeRoy throws a three-quarter overhand pitch. It's hit out into right field. Going over for it is Nicholson, and he grabs it easily for the out. And that's all for outlaw. Nicholson making the catch in right field. That's the second out here in the top of the second inning. What's up the Chicago Cubs for you? DeRoy is pitching. Livingston is catching. At first base is Phil Cabaretta. At second base is Don Johnson. At shortstop is Len Marujo. At third base, Stanley Hack. Peanuts Lowry is in left field, Andy Pafko in center, and Bill Nicholson is in right. Now here's Paul Richards at the plate. He got one hit yesterday in four tries. Roy curves him low and on the inside. Bites into the dirt, gets away from Mickey Livingston. Of course, that's just ball one. One ball, no strikes. Richards has a batting percentage of 091 for the series. He's had one hit in 11 tries. He's right along with Columbine in that respect. Now Richards, tall Texan, moves up to the plate, waits for Blury's next offering. Hank pumps it. Throws. There's a high curve swung on a miss. Or strike one. This guy Richards apparently likes high curves. He swung in quite a few of them yesterday. One and one is the count on Richards. Blurry tries another high curve and Richards ignores it. It's up above the lettering of the shirt. Of course, that's ball two. Two balls, one strike. Two outs, top of the second inning, no score, no base runners. Burroy warming to his task now. Humps once more, delivers the plate, it's a fastball swung on and fouled off into the screen. Two and two count on Paul Richards, the detroit catcher. Al Newhouser is scheduled to hit next in case another hitter is needed. This ball game has been pretty tight right up until this moment. Burrow has given up the only hit in the ball game Now he's ready Throws two and two to the plate Richards takes high for ball three Now quickly the count is three and two On Paul Richards Burrow monkeying around a little bit on the mound Takes his sign from Livingston Who holds him it up as a target now Down rides the pitch The three-two count is swung on There's a high pop-up back of shortstop Into left field Peanuts Lowry comes charging in And Rulo falls away And Lowry, the left fielder Comes on to make the catch So that's all for Detroit here in the second inning. Nothing across. No runs, no hits, no errors, and nobody left. Well, to slugging left-handed Nick Etten, a couple of years ago, fell one of the toughest assignments in baseball. That of covering the immortal Lou Gehrig's post at first base for the New York Yankees. Nick heads the department for batting in runs and knows the answers plenty well. Tell us, Nick Etten, what's the number one razor blade in the Yankee locker room? Well, the, the only blade I ever see used around there are the Gillette Blue Blade. Well, give the fans a lowdown, down, will you, Nick? Glad to, Al. The Gillette Blue Blade is the easiest shaving blade I ever used. It just skims your stubble off and leaves your face feeling smooth and refreshed. Thanks, Nick Etten, and take it from me, fans, men the world over. Say all of that and plenty more. So, why not ask your dealer for Gillette Blue Blades? They should be easier to get now, and they always give you tops and shaving luxury. Remember, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever home. Now for the last half of inning number two, right here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. The first man up for the Cubs is going to be Phil Cabaretta. The star first baseman of the Cubs went hitless yesterday and struck out a couple of times, and that wasn't to his liking. Bill's a mighty good ball player, and he's hitting at 357 for the series. Out on the mound, Big Hal Newhouser gets ready and delivers a fast hook to a left-handed hitter, and it's low for ball one. One ball, no strikes. This is Cabaretta, uphitting for the Cubs. That's from a very severe crouch. Pushes a very nice bump down toward first base on the next pitch. Richards picks that ball up and fires it to Rudy York just in time, and that's all for Cabaretta. That guy Richards came out from behind the plate and pounced on that bunt just like a big cat. And grabbed that ball and fired it into the waiting men of Rudy York at first base. And Cabaretta was snuffed out. Now, Andy Papco comes walking up there. Papco went 0 for 4 yesterday, also. He's hitting a 214 for the series. He has three hits for 14 drives. Very free to put center fielder hits right handed. Curve on him, and it's under his knees for ball one. One ball, no strikes. Last half of the second inning, and there's no score in this ballgame. Newhouser delivers a high hook. It's outside for ball two. Newhouser kicking dirt around at the mound. Looks down at Richardson, takes his sign now. At the weights. Takes the next, and a fast curve off the hips on the inside for ball three. The Detroit outfield is fanned around slightly to left, and Hank Greenberg is playing very deep out in left field. Here comes Newhouser's three and nothing delivery. Three balls, no strikes on Andy Papco. The little fella takes this one, and it's right in there for a strike. So the automatic one goes up on the boards. Newhouser ready, throws three and one. Papco swings on a three and one pitch and hits a foul ball on the ground back at first base. Rudy York picks it up, looks it over, hands it over to Hal Newhouser. The count is three and two. Three balls, two strikes on Patco, And he gets himself a double handful of dirt. Dries his hands off. Steps back up to the batter's box. Out on the mound for Detroit, Hal Newhauser, Got himself all ready for this next 3-2 delivery. There's one out for Chicago here in the last of the second. Now here's Neuhauser's 3-2 delivery to the plate. Papco swings and misses for strike three. So Papco goes down on strikes. That's Neuhauser's second strikeout. Now both he and Baroy have struck out two men apiece. Bill Nicholson is coming up to the plate now for Chicago. Bill has four hits for 15 at-bats in the series so far, and he's hitting at 267. However, like Cabaretta and Papco, he's 0 for 4 in yesterday's game. He's a left-handed hitter that crouches over, and he takes the first pitch on the outside from Newhauser for ball one. Bill swishing that bat back and forth. As we've told you, he's a very belligerent looking gentleman. Newhauser pours a fast one through there for a strike. Now it's one and one. One ball, one strike on Bill Nicholson. He's the right fielder of the Chicago Cubs. Two outs here for the Cubs in the last half, of the second inning. No base runners, and there's no score in the game. It's Newhauser and Baroy. Dueling this afternoon here at the Windy City. Nicholson swings on the next pitch and hits a ground ball down to Rudy York, who goes down on one knee, picks it up, races over to first, and Nicholson is out. So that's all for the Cubs here in the last of the second inning, and they go down in order. No runs, no hits, nobody left, and there were no errors. At the end of two full innings of play, the score stands nothing and nothing. For Detroit, they have no runs, one hit, and they've committed no errors. While well, for the Chicago Cubs, they have no runs, they've got no hits off Newhauser, and they've committed one error. So we're going into the top of the third inning, but before we do, I believe we've got a few seconds here, about ten of them, to pause for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever home. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago serving the Middle West. Hank Beroy has just thrown the last of his warm up pitches down here to start the top half of inning number three here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. The first man to facing will be Hal Newhouser, hitting left handed. Newhouser has been up just once in the series, and he has gone 0 for 1. Nice round of applause for Hal as he came striding up to the plate. He's the ninth man to face Baroi here this afternoon. Hank takes his sign, now pumps once, throws to the plate, and Neuhauser takes a curve on the inside down to the knees for ball one. Newhauser chokes up slightly on the bat and stands forward at the plate with a completely closed stance. Baroi throws a curve this time, and it's an attempted bunt which goes foul down the third baseline. So that makes it one and one on Hal Newhauser. Newhouser's a pretty good hitter. As a matter of fact, for the season, he hit, uh, if memory serves me rightly, a 257. Roy throws a curve in there that's good for a strike, with Newhouser taking. So his count now is one ball, two strikes. One and two on Al Newhouser. Outfield fans slightly around the right. Nicholson is deep. Roy threw a curve just now that was very high and almost got away from Livingston. And of course, Newhouser at to the plate took it for ball two. That levels the count right off at two balls, two strikes. Broad pumping once more. Delivers. There's a fast one, swung on and fouled right off the chest protector of plate umpire Summers. Count is two and two. Two balls, two strikes. Just a very fast check on year statistics proves that uh, Al Newhouser actually did hit 257 for the year's work with the Tigers. The 2-and-2 two two pitch is thrown in there and swung on by Newhauser. Missed completely for strike three. So that's all for Newhauser. Now let's see. As far as Barrelli is concerned, that's strikeout number three. Strikeout number five in the game as Newhauser himself has struck out a couple. There's one away for Detroit here in the top of the third inning, and that brings up Skeeter Webb, the shortstop, hitting right-handed. He was thrown out for Stanley Hack back in the first inning. The right-hand hitter takes a hard curve as Barrelli goes to work. And that's ball one. Webb, in his last six at-bats, hasn't been able to get a hit. Roy comes down with a fast-flow curve that's under the knees of Webb for ball two. Webb stands just off the plate, crouches over slightly from the waist. Roy shakes off Livingston now as he pumps the sign. Now nods his head. He'll throw this one comes down with it and there's a high fast curve off the point of the chin for a shave and that's ball three three balls no strikes the outfield doesn't play Skeeter Webb very deep he takes his next pitch and it's right in there for a strike so that makes a count three and one on Skeeter Webb well, right now looks around at his father-in-law behind third Steve O'Neill managing the Detroit Tigers and coaching there at third he knows what to do about this 3-1 pitch if it's in there. But it's high. And on the inside, for ball four, Skeeter Webb, with one away, is walked. And that is the first base on balls given up by Baroy. He walked uh, a few men. And he extended to Detroit. So he walks one here this afternoon. That brings up Eddie Mayo, who has the only hit off Baroy. As a matter of fact, he has the only hit in the ball game. Roy checks his runner at first that's Skeeter Webb throws to the plate and Mayo, left hand hitter takes a fast curve just under the letters good for a strike Mayo hit his single in the left field back in the first inning and he may have made a double out of it if he hadn't stumbled and fell as he was rounding first Roy checks first base once more. Now delivers to the plate and Smith swings on it. Or rather Mayo swings on it and slacks it into right field for a solid base hit. Webb is trying for third. There goes the throw by Nicholson down to third, but it's not nearly in time. And Webb is on at third. Mayo hit behind the runner into right field. Skeeter Webb was on the move and came right around to third on the base hit into right field. That is the second one given up by Baroi. And now with one away, the Tigers have runners at first and third. Second is open and the batter is Doc Kramer. As Bill Slater just points out, that is the fourth hit that Eddie Mayo has gotten off Hank Baroi and six times up against him. Hitting left-handed is Doc Kramer. He smashed one back to the box and was thrown out by Hank Baroi back in the first inning. Down comes the first pitch to him and Kramer swings on it and there's a long foul ball out back of left field and falls into the seats a loud strike to Doc Kramer so the Tigers here in the top of the third inning a threatening at Wrigley Field in Chicago it's a scoreless ball game but the Tigers have runners at first and third with one out down in the bullpen big Paul Derringer is getting ready for Chicago just in case he's needed Roy throws easily over to first base just to keep Mayo glued on tightly that Mayo's had two hits for two at-bats today he's doing all right Barrowe sends in a high change of pace curve that sort of floats up to the plate but it's too high and that's ball one Doc Kramer hitting left handed has the count of one and one a couple of uh, New Jersey guys working against each other now Broy gets ready checks his runners throws to the plate Kramer swings on it and there's a long fly ball going out deep into left center field and there's a nice running catch out there by Andy Papua in left center and coming in very easily to score is Skeeter Webb, and the Tigers lead one to nothing. Boy, that guy Pafko can really go. That was way back for the wall, almost 368 feet away from home plate, and that guy Pafko went and took it out in left center. So is out, but he bats in a run. Mayo had to hold right on at first base, but Skeeter Webb, at third, tagged up and easily came in to score, so it's a one to nothing ball game in favor of Detroit. Now the batter is Hank Greenberg. Hank was uh, on at first base in the first inning, due to an error. There's a quick throw to first this time to try to catch Mayo, but it doesn't. Cavarretta returns the ball to the mound to Hank Baroi. Hank settles down now, delivers to the plate. Greenberg swings off. There's a long drive deep in the center field. There goes Paco over in left center now. He's under. It makes a one-handed catch. Great day in the morning that guy, Papco, can run. He just took one in left center, and then he came right back and took one in right center. So here in the third inning for Detroit, one run, one hit. A man left. There were no errors. And listen to that round of applause for Papco. Well, the score here is one to nothing in favor of Detroit over Chicago. When the old hit-and-run clicks, it may win a ball game. But fans, there's just no percentage in putting up with the hit-and-run shaves a fellow gets with run-of-the-mind razor blades. No, sir. Not when you can count on the Gillette Blue Blade to give you, as Yankee first baseman Nick Atten puts it, the slickest, easiest shaves a man can have. This blade has the sharpest edges ever produced. So sharp, so smoothly finished, so easy shaving that you just skim the stubble off. And what's more, those edges are hard enough to cut glass. So they stay sharp for one comfortable shave after another and save you money. Ask your dealer for Gillette Blue Blades, five for a quarter. They should be easier to obtain now. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever owned. Now with the Cubs one run behind as the Detroit Tigers lead them one to nothing, we're in the last half of the third inning. And Mickey Livingston is coming up for his first at-bat this afternoon. Hal Neuhauser on the mound with one run to go on makes his first offering. And it's a high, fast curve on the outside to Mickey Livingston for a ball one. Livingston hitting right-handed. Yesterday, Mickey had one hit in three official at-bats. He's hitting 364 for the series at four for 11. He swings on this pitch, hits it off the end of his bat. It's rolling down toward first. Hal Newhauser picks it up and tags him out as he goes by. That Newhauser came off that mound awfully fast that time to pick up that slow roller down toward first. And he just uh, tagged Mickey Livingston as he tried to pass him. So Livingston is out being tagged out by the pitcher. And that's the first out in the last half of the third inning. There was a little argument coming up from the top bench for the moment that Livingston hadn't been given a chance. Now the batter is Len Marulo. This will be his first at-bat in the World Series. If you recall, he came in yesterday and ran and then played one inning at shortstop. The first pitch to him is swung on. And there's a high curve that he didn't get. That's that strike one. Newhauser pumps, comes back with his next pitch. And Marulo, right-hand hitter, leans back from it. Takes ball one. One ball, one strike is the count on shortstop Len Marullo of the Chicago Cubs. We're in the last half of inning number three here at Wrigley Field, with the Detroit Tigers leading one to nothing. Al Neuhauser, who is always pretty tough, especially in the front-running position, as he now is, is making ready to throw one-and-one one to right-hand hitting Len Marullo. He dies, and Marullo takes a high, fast curve on the outside for ball two two balls, one strike Murillo waggles that bat back and forth and swings on the next pitch as a fastman is offered and he fouls it off so the count is two and two as we told you, Leonard Murillo, who stands five eleven and a half comes from East Boston, Massachusetts and this is his real first opportunity in the World Series Hughes has been playing at shortstop but Hughes was lifted today and Murillo was put in by Charlie Grimm So Lenz up for his first at-bat of the day. Newhouser throws a low curve under his knees this time. That's (coughs) ball three. Now the count on Lenz is three and two. Three balls, two strikes. One out, last of the third. No base runners. The score, Tigers one, the Cubs nothing. Newhouser with the southpaw. Pumps, delivers. Merlot swings and misses for strike three. That was a fast curve. Just under the lettering of the shirt on the inside corner. So Marullo is struck out, and that gives Newhauser strikeout number three. He levels off in that department with Baroy. They both have three strikeouts. Here's a round of applause for Hank Baroy. (laughs) Hank Baroi coming up for his first at-bat of the afternoon. Baroi hit three times down at uh, Briggs Stadium in Detroit, and he went 0 for 3. He's a right-hand batter. Swings on the first pitch, and Newhauser has a fast one in there that he misses for strike one. Hank stands just about straight off the plate with a straightaway stance toward the pitcher. Holds that bat down with the knob, bends over slightly from the waist. There are two outs for the Cubs in the last half of the third inning. Roy attempting to bunt the next pitch, fouls it off into the screen, so his count is strike two. No balls, two strikes. The outfield doesn't play him very deep. They might get a surprise because, after all, Roy can't hit a long ball. So I'm hit a triple at the Yankee Stadium the fourth part of the year. That was really a rousing triple. He swings on this next pitch, and there's the ball. hit just passed out third, not into left field. Roy is trying for second base. Here comes the throw from Hank Greenberg to second, but it's not nearly in time. It's a double for Hank for Roy. Pitcher Hank for spiked a hotline drive right past... Jimmy Outlaw at third base. Right between Outlaw and the third base bag. And hit it down into the left field corner for a double. And that is the first hit given up by Hal Newhouser this afternoon. And it's an extra base blow. Now the batter is Stanley Camfield-Hack. Stanislaus is coming up for his first official at-bat. He was walked in the first inning. Neuhauser delivers him a high curve on the inside for ball one. So the potential tying run for Chicago is on its second base in the person of Hank Baroy. He did it himself. The ringing double down the left field line. Newhauser looks at this left-handed hitter, Stanley Hack, and serves him a curve that's outside for ball two. Two balls, no strikes. Two out for Chicago in the last of the third. Beroy with his double, is on its second in scoring position. Newhauser delivers the plate and Hack takes it, and it's right through there for a strike. So the count on the Chicago third baseman, two balls, one strike. The score is one to nothing in favor of the Tigers, but the Cubs have an opportunity of locking this ball game up right here in the third inning. Newhauser throws, Hack takes a fast one in for a strike. Curve that started high and put down and over. Well, so it's a two and two count on Stanley Hack. Hank Roy has taken quite a lead off second base. And the second baseman, Mayo, tried to sneak in behind him. That's the roar from the crowd to warn Hank. So he got back in time. Now the pitch to the plate is swung on to Hatt. There's a solid base hit to center field. Perroy comes running around third. Holds on in the score. And it's a tied-up ball game. at one and one. A spot for Stanley Hack to pick to hit his seventh one here in the World Series. He drilled that very solidly into center field. Their base hit, and Hank Beroy, who was really moving, came around third, and Charlie Grimm waved him on in. It's a tied up ball game at one and one. Newhouse are delivering now to right hand hitter Don Johnson, and Johnson swings and misses for strike one. And this ball game has taken on a new complexion. It's all tied up at one and one. Newhouser throws, and Johnson takes a curve right off his belt buckle. And that makes the count one and one. One ball, one strike. So with two away, Hank Baroi started it off for the Chicago Cubs with a double. And then Hack followed through with a single to score it. Hack steps off at first. There's a throw over the first, and Hack is cut off. He's trying for the second. The throw goes from York down to Skeeter Webb. Hack slides, but he's out. So Hack was actually picked off. That is the third out picked off on a throw from the pitcher that went to the first baseman and then down to Skeeter Webb the shortstop covering at second so here in the third inning the Chicago Cubs picked themselves up one run on a pair of hits nobody left and there were no errors so at the end of three full innings of play it's a one-to-one ball game between the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago Cubs and this ball game is locked up just as tight as anything you ever saw and for the fourth inning the first man up for the Tigers will be Roy Cullenbine, and Roy, in the first inning, struck out. He'll be followed in by Rudy York, who is also a strikeout victim for his only time at the plate today. And then will come Jimmy Outlaw. Those are the three hitters up for Detroit in the top half of inning number four. The round of applause is for Hank Borea as he comes striding to the mound. Well, the old Fordham Ghost got his ball club back into the game. where were two away in the last half of the third inning. His double spiked very solidly along the left field line and down into the corner, allowed him to take second base. And then Hack, a moment later, hit into center field very solidly for a base hit to allow Hack to come around from, or allow uh, Brewery to come around from second base to score. So we have a one and one ball game on the works here at Wrigley Field in Chicago in this bright, brilliant, sunny afternoon. We'd just like to say, too, that uh, down at uh, Pearl Harbor, that they've just completed what is known as the Navy World Series down there with the National League team led by Billy Herman, winning uh, 4-3 and taking the series. And schoolboy Rowe, who used to pitch for these Detroit Tigers, was running the American League aggregation, all made up of uh, players out there that formerly served in the National and American Leagues. So I imagine the boys out there feel pretty happy about their little World Series, too. Now here in the fourth inning is Cullumbine. Baroy pitches him, and Cullumbine takes a high curve on the outside. That's ball one. Baroy, very carefully studying each pitch, pumps once now and throws. Cullumbine swings, and there's a high foul up onto the screen. Behind. So his count now is one and one. One ball, one strike. This is Columbine hitting for Detroit in the top of the fourth inning. The score, Detroit one and Chicago one. These teams are locked up, you know. Each have won two games in the four that have been played. Roy tries a curve that slides off outside. The ball, two. But the count now on switch hitter, Roy Columbine, who is hitting left-handed now against the right-handed offerings of Hank Brewery. It's two and one, two balls, one strike. Columbine with his legs wide spread apart. Takes a high curve as boy tries to change of pace. And that means it's ball three. Three and one is the count now on Columbine. Anything can happen in this ball game. The way it's going, likely to move along like this and suddenly explode. The three-one pitch is swung on by Columbine. There's a high pop-up back of second. Coming over for it is second baseman Johnson. He takes it right in front of Murillo. And that's all for Cullenbine popping up and out to second baseman Don Johnson. So Cullenbine is out, and that brings up Rudy York. Rudy, with those big, wide, square shoulders of his and thick set chest, comes digging in there at the plate. Hank Broy, out on the mound heaves a big sigh. Hank's very slender and very pale. Looks more like a banker than a baseball player. Delivers. And big Rudy York swings on it and fouls it back into the screen for strike one. That outfield is really moving back on Rudy York. They can remember that 400-foot drive he put out in Briggs Stadium that was caught by Andy Pafko. This fellow can well up that potato. He swings on this next one and there's a high foul ball again coming back onto the screen. Of course, that means it's strike two to big Rudy. York struck out in the second inning. He's the only time up this afternoon. He went 0 for 3 yesterday, so it means he's 0 for 4. Two days work so far. He has 2 for 13 for the for the work in the series. He swings on this next pitch and lifts a high fly ball into straightaway center field. Pafco comes under it. He's got it. And that's all for York. Flying out to Andy Pafco, the Chicago center field. Two away for Detroit now on the top of the fourth inning. The batter is Jimmy Outlaw. Little Jimmy, who hits right handed, came up in the second inning, laced himself a fly ball to right field that was gathered in by Bill Nicholson. So he's hit three for 16 so far off the series. Roy comes down with a medium speed curve ball that's over the knees and right through the middle good for a strike. Outlaw's hugging up on that plate a little tighter than he was his last at bat. Chokes up a little more on the handle of the wood. Takes the next pitch, and it's right off the point of his cap. That's ball one. One ball, one strike. Two outs, top of the fourth. No base runners. The score, Detroit one, Chicago one. We've got quite a ball game going here at Wrigley Field this afternoon. Leroy winds, delivers. A high fast curve that almost got away from Livingston. That's ball two. Two balls, one strike. Len Marulo at shortstop is pulled down a little more toward the third base line. He's playing deep in the hole at shortstop. Playing right on the edge of the grass. Now Barroa delivers two and one. And it's swung on. There's a high foul ball going back into the second tier, back of first base. Other count on outlaw is two balls, two strikes. Barroa rubbing up a new ball. Looks down at Outlaw. This outlaw's not very big. He stands five feet eight. He swings on this next pitch, and there's another foul ball again back of first base. And it drops untouched just for the wall. Right over to the Tiger dugout. Bill Cabaretta went racing over there for it, and so did uh, catcher Mickey Livingston, but neither one could quite get up to it. So the count rides along, at like two and two on Jimmy Outlaw. Hank Burroy, after visiting the rosin bag, comes walking back up to the mound. Livingston replaces his mask and gets down the his sign. Burroy looks back at the outfield, sees that they're playing just where he wants them to. Now looks at Jimmy Outlaw, starts his pumping motion for the 2-2 delivery. Down it comes, a medium-speed curveball swung on a miss for strike three. That's all for Outlaw. Well, there's nothing across for Detroit here in the top half of the fourth inning. Roy hangs up strikeout number four. So at the end of three and a half innings of play, the score stands Detroit one and Chicago one. As lots of fans see it, the best seats in the stands are right behind the plate. Others want to sit near first base. Many like to be opposite third. Yes, and plenty of fellows prefer to sit in the bleachers. Now, I don't know how you feel about brushless shaving cream, But I'm certain about one thing. If you're a brushless fan, you'll prefer Gillette Brushless. Whiskers are oily, therefore moisture-resistant. So to soak them thoroughly and do the job quickly, you should remove the oil from them. Gillette Brushless does that trick almost instantly. It readies your whiskers for soaking and holds plenty of water right at the shaving line where it counts. For faster shaves plus extra comfort, try Gillette Brushless when your dealer has it in stock. It's grease-free so it rinses instantly and can't clog your razor or wash bowl drain. If you like brushless, you'll prefer Gillette brushless. Now for the last half of inning number four here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's a tied-up ball game at one and one. The Tigers won and the Cubs won. Pretty close, pretty hard-fought ball game. The first batter up for Chicago here in the fourth inning is going to be second baseman Don Johnson. He struck out in the first inning and was left... uh, Waiting at the altar, if you recall, as Hack was picked off at first base back in the third inning. Now Neuhauser left-hands the first pitch into a right-hand hitter, and it's a fast one up above the letters. The ball won. Don Johnson stands almost straight up and down. Holds that bat high off his right shoulder and stands straight off the plate. He swings on the next pitch, and there's a high fly ball out into center field. Doc Kramer's under this one, and he's got it for the out. That's all for Johnson, the fly ball to Doc Kramer in center field. That's one away for Chicago in the last half of inning number four. Peanuts Lowry, who in the first inning smacked into a peculiar double play, is coming up now for his second at-bat. Well, he's 0 for 1 for his stick work today. Little right-handed hitter crouching over the plate. Newhouser pours a fast one in there that's good for a strike. Little Peanuts leaning over now. Big Newhouser on the mound throws. And there's a fast curve high off the peak of the cap. That's ball one. One ball, one strike on Peanuts Lowry. One out for the Cubs, last half of the fourth inning. Newhouser sends a medium speed curve in there that's hit down to shortstop. Skeeter Webb digs it out of the dirt, fires it into Rudy York at first, and Lowry is out. Lowry goes down, being thrown out by the Detroit shortstop, Skeeter Webb. That's the second out here in the last half of the fourth inning. And Phil Cavarretta is coming up for his second at bat. In the second inning, he was thrown out by catcher Richards. Newhauser serves him up a wide hook that just bites over the outside corner, good for a called strike. Cavarretta stands very deep at the plate, hits left-handed, and crouches way over. Newhauser throws him a curve that swung on and missed. That's strike two. No balls, two strikes on Cabaretta. Two down, nobody on in the fourth inning. Newhouser pumping again. Throws a fast delivery in there for called strike three, and Cabaretta knew it. So, for Chicago in the fourth inning, nothing across, no runs, no hits, no errors, and nobody left. And that's strikeout number four for Newhouser. He's even Steven in that department with Hank Beroy. Well, you know, every Friday night is fight night on the air. Yes, Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports airs the major fistic event of the week every Friday night the year round. Plan to be at Radio Ringside and enjoy the excitement blow by blow. Tune in Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports every Friday night for our rousing boxing match. Consult your daily newspaper for time and station. Now, before the first half of the fifth inning comes up here at Wrigley Field in Chicago, let's pause ten seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp. Feel sharp. Be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever home. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago serving the Middle West. Now for the first half of inning number five of the fifth game of the World Series. This ball game being played right here at Wrigley Field in the Windy City of Chicago. And the first man up for Detroit is going to be Paul Richards, the Detroit catcher. Paul came up in the second inning and sent a fly ball out into left field, where Peanuts Lowry made a pretty nice catch. Now Hank Barroa, who has given up a pair of hits to Detroit, throws the first pitch here, and Richards smacks it right back through the middle and out into center field on the ground all the way for a single. So Richards is on here in the fifth inning, and that is hit number three off Barroa. Richards, safely on there at first base. Al Newhouser comes striding to the plate. Newhouser walking in there. He struck out in the third inning, did Hal? He's working up a little more on the handle of the bat now and hits left-handed. Burroy checks first, throws to the plate, and an attempted bunt is fired off to the right of the plate. And just as soon as Hank Burroy fired that ball down to the plate... Phil Cabaretta and Stanley Hack, the first and third baseman, both came charging in to cover that bunt should it be forthcoming. Hal Neuhauser, waiting again for Brewer to throw once more. Down comes the pitch, and there's another attempted bunt that's fouled off into the screen. So very quickly, the count is strike two on Hal Newhauser. And with the count of strike two, the big danger of a bunt has gone to the boards. Because if Newhauser should uh, attempt to bunt now and foul it off, he will be registered as struck out. No balls, two strikes is a count on Hal Neuhauser. Paul Richards opened this fifth inning with a single, back through the middle, and he's on it first. He's starting for second base now as the pitch is swung on by Newhauser and fouled back onto the screen. So with the count, no balls, two strikes, Richards was moving for second. Steve O'Neill, the manager of Detroit, had sent him down. Newhauser trying to protect the runner and trying to hit behind him, fouled it off. So the count stays. No balls, two strikes on Newhauser. Paul Richards again takes his lead at first base. It's a one and one ball game between Detroit and Chicago, and Detroit trying to move the man to second. Roy looks over at first, now delivers the plate. Newhauser swings and foul tips it. So the count stays zero oh and two. Richards that time was not breaking. Newhouser doesn't step out of batter's box. He has his spikes glued firmly there, and he's going to remain right in batter's box and wait for the next pitch. Beroy checks the runner Richards at first, back over his shoulder. Now it delivers to the plate, and it's swung on and hit down to second base. Johnson comes up with it. The play is to Rulo for one out The throw to first. A double play. Well, that was a snappy piece of work on the infield. That double play went from the second baseman, Johnson, to the shortstop, Len Marullo, and the throw went over to first base to Phil Cabaretta, and the man caught in the middle of that double play was Richards. So very quickly, there are two outs now in the top of the fifth inning, and each side has come up with a double play. The batter now is Skeeter Webb. He was walked in the third, he was thrown out the Stanley Hack back in the first, so he's actually 0 for 1. The right-hand hitter swings on the first Barrowe offering, fouls it back into the screen for strike one. No balls, one strike. Maroy taking his time about throwing this next one down to Skeeter-Webb. Now here it comes. Webb swings on a high curve and doesn't get it. That's strike two. Maroy's got a pretty good uh, fast curve that he works in there high. He said before the game he was going to depend on that a lot. Comes down with his next pitch and there it is in there again, but this one's laced out into center field solidly for a base hit for Skeeter-Webb. Webb picked out that high curve and hit it straight away into center field. That's the second hit here in his fifth inning. And that is hit number four, off Baroy. Hit number six in the game, as Neuhauser has given up a pair of hits to the Chicago Cubs. Now with two away, Skeeter Webb, the potential tie-breaking run, is on at first base. And Eddie Mayo, who hasn't been stopped this afternoon in two at-bats, he's hit two singles, is digging in. Baroy delivers to the plate. Mayo takes a high curve on the outside for ball one. Barroi is very intent watching this runner at first base. This guy, Webb, can move. Just likely to descent down by Steve O'Neill. Now sets. Goes over to first base, however, instead of delivering to the plate. And Webb steps in ahead of it easily. Cabaret has returned to the man, almost got away from Barroi, too. Other count is one ball who strikes on Mayo. Rear throws and Mayo takes. It's a high hook for ball two. Missed just outside to a left-hand hitter. Mayo, when he started to bat this afternoon, had an overly close stance. Right foot forward to the plate, but he's changed that stance now. He's opened it and the right foot is dragged down toward first and he almost faces the pitcher. He's gotten himself a couple of base hits that way. My boy serves the next pitch up, and there's the ball hit right down to Phil Cabaretta first. Phil grabs it, steps on first, and that's all for Detroit and Mayo here in the fifth inning. So in the fifth inning, what a no runs. Two hits, one man left, and a winner At the end of four and a half innings of play, the score stands the Tigers won and the Cubs won. Red Barrett, who switched from the Braves to the Cardinals during the season is the only pitcher in the majors to beat all eight clubs in his league this year. Now, that's quite a distinction. But take a look at the all-time record hung up by the Gillette Tech razor. It's met all comers and won worldwide fame as the easiest shaving razor ever produced. Now, here's news that will be music to your ears. The Gillette Tech is coming back on dealers' counters all over the country. Your dealer may have the Gillette Tech in stock right now with all-metal gold-plated head, plus five super-keen Gillette blue blades, At the pre-war price of 49 cents. What shaves you get, how quick, how easy, how smooth and refreshing. Ask your dealer for your Gillette Tech Razor. And now for the latter portion of this number five game of the World Series. As a guy that I'm very happy to be associated with on this broadcast. As a matter of fact, I'm very happy to be associated with him, period. I'm
0: talking about Bill Slater, as if you didn't know it. Bill, it's all yours. Thank you a lot, Al. Andy Papko is going to be the first hitter for the Cubs here in the last half of the fifth inning. He steps in there batting right-handed. Andy struck out his first time up. On Wednesday in Detroit against Newhauser, he had better luck. He was walked and doubled and scored two runs off Hal here's the pitch to him he swings on it beats it foul into the ground behind the plate one strike on Papco Papco as of course you know from the roar of the throng is the outfielding star of the afternoon he has made two tremendous catches out there in the outer gardens after long runs he's a nice kid in his twenties comes from up in Wisconsin Newhauser works Papco attempts to bunt beats it foul again that'll be two strikes on Andy and he's sort of fiddle doodling around the plate there instead of swinging straight away so far. Newhouser rubs up a new ball. Newhouser settled down, looking very, very sharp. He's given up only two hits to the Cubs as we go into the last half of the fifth inning. Scores one to one, as you all know. Now Newhouser's ready. Here it comes. Papka takes it. It's ball strike three. Papko is out of there, and that's the fifth strikeout for Hal Newhouser. One away for Chicago in the last half of the fifth. Now here is William Beck Nicholson. Bad Bill, they call him in baseball. Nicholson grounded out to Rudy York. His first appearance against Newhouse this afternoon. Against Newhouse Wednesday in Detroit, he hit a triple in two times up. Swings on this one, there's a ground ball down to third base. Outlaw has it, the throw to first is in time. Nicholson is out, third to first. Two out for Chicago in the last of the fifth. The batter now is that sturdy, fiery gentleman from South Carolina, Mickey Livingston, the catcher. His parents named him Thompson Livingston, probably a family name. But in baseball, he's just playing Mickey. That's right-handed. He was retired by Newhouser his first time up. hit hitting pretty hard with the ball on the first baseline. The pitch to Livingston is high for ball one. One and zero on the Cub catcher. Two out, nobody on. Livingston's got a wife and three kids, and one of his little boys is here with him. Here it is, high again, ball two. Two and zero. the count on Livingston. He's a right-handed batter. The outfield, is straight away on him. Livingston is four for twelve in the series so far, he's driven in two runs. Now Newhauser and that big wind-up. Pitches. Livingston hits it right back past the mound. It's a deep shortstop. It's gathered up by Webb. The throw in time. Livingston is out. Short first. That's all for Chicago in the last half of the fifth inning. Now at the end of five full innings of play, Chicago has one run on two hits. Detroit has one run. They have four hits off Barrowe. So it's a one-to-one ball game. The series is tied at two games apiece, and you couldn't ask for anything any tighter than that. Now we're getting ready for the sixth inning, and the first batter up for the home standing Chicago, for the uh, Detroit Tigers rather, visiting in here as the Chicago Cubs take the field, is going to be Doc Kramer. And Kramer is the fellow who was absolutely robbed by Andy Papko back in the third inning, the last time Kramer was up there. Kramer hasn't had too much luck hitting against Baroy in this series. In the first ball game, Wednesday over in Detroit, Baroi setting down 0 for 3, and Kramer's been up twice today, and he hasn't hit Baroy yet. So Roger Kramer, who was called Doc by the boys, they used to, when he played for Philadelphia, call him Flit, because he could catch so many flies, was the reason for it. Kramer is about ready to step in there now. He's of Holland Dutch extraction. In the wintertime, there's nothing he likes much better than to go fox hunting. Matter of fact, he's got 14 foxhounds at his home down at Manahawken in New Jersey. But he doesn't get on a horse and gallop after the foxhounds. He turns the hounds loose and they race around the hills and he goes in an automobile and follows the baying of the hounds and sometimes they come up with a fox that's up a tree. That's a type of fox hunting that's done in a lot of places of the country and it's a lot of fun. So the guy who likes that is about ready to step in there now. Doc Kramer, first batter up in the sixth inning of a one-to-one ball game. Autumn Hank Roy is ready to pitch to him. Winds up in that smooth fashion, cuts it loose. Kramer swings on it, slaps it out there. It's falling in for a hit fielded by Papco on the third bounce and center field, it gets away from Papco. it's rolling to the wall, Kramer has moved into second and he's going to hold up there and I think that will be an error on Papco. It's a single for Kramer, his first hit off for Raleigh and his sixth hit of the series and it is the first error of the series for Andy Papco. He was attempting to field it on about the fifth bounce out there and it rolled between his legs and Harry Lowry had to go get it. So Kramer is in potential scoring position due to that error on Papco. And to Kramer's own single to center, and who advances to the plate now? Except the big man, Captain Hank Greenberg. Greenberg was robbed by Papco back in the third inning his last time up. He's a right-handed batter, as Big Hank. Baroy pitches him low and inside the ball one. Baroy, despite the fact he has quite a record over Detroit, hasn't pitched very often to Greenberg because uh, Greenberg left for the wars before Baroy got going. Now, ah, here's the pitch. Swung on. It's hit down the left field line. And it falls fair. It's off in the left field corner there. Kramer is to third. He's coming in to score. Greenberg falls down midway between first and second, but gets up and trots into second. And he looks as if he might have been hurt a little bit. But it's a solid double for Hank Greenberg, who fell down. And manager Steve O'Neill is running out from his third base coaching box now to see what's uh, happened to his star. And the trainer, Ray Forsyth, charges out from the dugout. And they want to see very, very carefully whether or not. Hank Greenberg, who doubled down the left field line, it off into the corner there to drive in Kramer from second with the tie-breaking run. They want to see whether Greenberg is hurt or not. He's walking around there. Looks as if he might have hurt his knee. He's been having a little trouble with his underpinnings since he came back from the Army Air Forces. Looks like his left knee. He fell flushed down on his face about midway between first and second. That, incidentally, is the second one of the Tigers who's fallen down there. Greenberg's going to stay in, though. He's okay. The Tigers are ahead now, two to one. And at the top of the sixth inning here, they have teed off. On Hank Baroy. Kramer single, Greenberg double. Derringer and Bob Chipman are warming up for the Cubs. And there's the old Arkansas Hummingbird out there, Lon Warnicke. That's a great sight. Greenberg now at second. Play is to be resumed. One run is in, nobody out in the top of the sixth inning. The Tigers ahead two to one. The batter now is Roy Cullenbine, Batting left-handed, the switch hitter. Was called out on strikes in the first inning. Popped up to the second baseman in the fourth. Here it comes. He jumps away from it. It's low and inside for ball one. Cullenbine is one for 11 so far in this series. I. Vandenberg has joined the host of cup pitchers warming up now they got Chipman Derringer Warnicke and Vandenberg down there and Charlie Grimm can take his choice if he needs to count on Cullenbein is one ball now the count is ball two because that one was flipped into the dirt by Baroe, who looks a little up dumped right now and it was very nicely stopped by Mickey Livingston 2-0 and o, the count on Cullenbein 2-1 to one the score Detroit in front they've gone ahead here in the top of the sixth now Barowie is taking a lot of time getting ready for this next delivery to Roy Cullenbein Big burly fellow standing up there with a long grip on the back. Roy stretches, looks at Greenberg leading off second, delivers to the plate. Cullenbine swings on it. There's a foul going over into the stands opposite third base. Strike one on Cullenbine. Two balls, one strike. This Cullenbine is of Irish descent. His parents were a theatrical couple, so he's probably moved around a lot. Now Baroy pitches him, Columbine swings on it, there's a line drive, foul down the right field line. Two balls, two strikes. That one went zinging into the crowd down there with a lot of stuff on it. Greenberg looks able to negotiate himself all right. That fall he suffered between first and second there on that double of his, out to sharp left field. Didn't hurt him any. The big former captain of the Air Forces is up and ready to roll. Here comes the two and two pitch now to Cullenbine. Slow into the dirt. Now it's ball three. Three balls, two strikes. And the string. She runs out. This is the big one coming up. Nobody out yet. Rudy York on deck. Baroy studying and working carefully on each pitch. Is ready. Here it is, Cullenbine swings on it, hits on the ground, down there, Cabaretta makes a beautiful stop on it, but he can't get a throw over to Beroy, who was covering it first. That was a Cabaretta dive across the dirt out there. He stopped the ball, kept it from going into right field, and that made Greenberg hold up at third, but he was unable to make a play on Cullenbine, and it'll undoubtedly go as a hit. It's a hit, of course. That's three hits in a row now off Beroy here at the top of the sixth inning. And thanks to Cabaretta, there's only one run in. Greenberg held up at third as Cabaretta dived across the dirt out there and stopped that ball from going into right field. He tried to make a flip throw to Broy who quickly had gone over to cover at first but he couldn't get control of the ball and make the throw. The ball rolled away for just a couple of feet. Now here's Rudy York up, the slugger type. One run in, runners at first and third and nobody out. Baroy has got the fat in the fire. Pitches to York and it's low and just above the knees on the inside corner. Ball strike one. York is squawking a bit on that one, talking to Bill Summers about it, but the decision, of course, as usual, stands. Big Rudy, ready to lay into it if he can. Roy wanting to slip it past him, and York hits it. It's a clean single on the ground into center field. Greenberg comes in to score easily, and Columbine holds it second as the ball is fielded to third. Four hits in a row off Barroi. Two more runs in for Detroit, and they lead three to one. Now here comes Charlie Grimm walking out of the Cub dugout, and his head is hanging a little low. I think he'll have to lift his ace, Hank Barroi. He's patting Hank on the back now, but no definite signal has been given. Now he gives the signal to the bullpen,
1: and Barroi is coming out. Vandenberg, I believe, is coming in. And that's all for
0: Hank Roy. Roy has given up four hits in this inning. He was reached for four prior to this inning. So he has given up eight hits in the five innings plus that he has pitched. And that will be all for Hank. He could not duplicate the magnificent pitching feat that won him a shutout victory over the Tigers on Wednesday up in Detroit. And now we'll have big high Vandenberg. Vandenberg pitched in here in that ball game yesterday. He pitched two innings, didn't give up a hit to these Detroit Tigers. You'll probably have a considerable parade of Cub pitchers now. And here's a hand for Baroy as he walks off the field. As High Vandenberg is no small fellow, he's a big guy. stands 6'3 and a half, weighs around 215 pounds. He comes from the hometown of General Eisenhower. He was born in Abilene, Kansas. He lives in Minneapolis now. And Vandenberg will be remembered back East as having pitched across with the New York Giants. During the season, Vandenberg won himself seven games while losing three. And we told you of his World Series performance just a couple of moments ago when he pitched two hitless innings against the Tigers yesterday. He has a pretty tough situation in front of him because he comes in here in the sixth inning, in which two Tiger runs have already crossed. Cullenbein is at second, York is at first. Jimmy Outlaw will be the first batter to face Vandenberg. Outlaw is down there now, swinging his bat around, little right-handed hitter. This will be Outlaw's third time up this afternoon. He lined out to Nicholson in right field his first appearance in the second inning, and he struck out in the fourth inning. Outlaw has three hits out of 17 times up so far in the series. Comes from Jackson, Alabama. Right-handed batter, and he's ready to go, and big high Vandenberg pitches to the little fella it swung on and missed they were playing him for the sacrifice Cabaretta was charging in viciously from first Outlaw trying to cross him up swung on it but he missed it this guy Outlaw started his organized baseball career playing for Beckley in West Virginia one strike on him Vandenberg pitches he bunts this one it's back toward the mound Vandenberg feels that the play has to be at first where Cabaretta is covering and the sacrifice works Outlaws out, 1-3 to three. Cullenbein, of course, moved to third on the play and York to second Now they have two runners, potentially in scoring position with one away, and the batter is Paul Richards Richards didn't get a hit in the series up until yesterday but up at this point, he's two for 13 and he drove in one of the runs yesterday and with first open and Newhouse's schedules come up they're going to put Richards on He'll be intentionally passed, that would be the strategy indicated There's one man out here, now they'll load up the bases so it's a set-up and out at every corner There's pitch-out number three to Richards. The batter coming up now is Newhouser. Newhouser, despite the fact that he is ordinarily in season play a pretty good hitter, has not distinguished himself at the plate in the series so far. He has struck out once and twice hit into double plays. And while the averages will be running against the Cubs this time, they're going to try to make him hit into his third double play of the series. And the young 24-year-older from Detroit is stepping up there right now. He bats left-handed as he pitches. Looks out there and he finds Richards at first, York at second, and at third. Only one out. He wants a hit so bad he can probably taste it. Now Big High Vandenberg pumps. Here's the pitch. Inside, ball one. Newhauser. Pretty smart cookie. Is up there now, and he seems much less nervous than he did on Wednesday, much less nervous than he did at the start of this ball game. He has a three to nothing lead. Vandenberg punches. pitches low and inside again for ball two, and the bases are loaded, and now Mickey Livingston calls time, and he goes trotting out to the mound. And this mound is just a round spot of dirt in the middle of the infield there. There is no path from the mound to home plate, as you see in a great many big league ballparks. Now Livingston has said whatever he was going to say to Vandenberg, and he's in his place behind the plate. The count on Newhouse is two and zero, and the bases are loaded. Here comes the pitch to Hal. It's low and outside, and that is ball three. Columbine menacing from third. York parked at second, and Richards at first. Three and zero. The count on the batter, Hal Newhouse, the Detroit pitcher, and Vandenberg. Got the fat in the fire. Pitches low and forces in a run. The run, of course, is charged to Barowie, who put Cullenbine on. Cullenbine came trotting across the plate. He didn't come trotting in the usual lackadaisical fashion. He ran across that plate. N- Richards, of course, was shoved down to second, and that moves Big Rudy off down to third. And the score now is four to one in favor of Detroit over Chicago and a tremendous uprising here in the top of the sixth inning. The bases are still loaded, there's still only one out, and here is Skeeter Webb up. He's one for two so far in this ball game. Takes a fast call strike, just above the knees, over the outside corner, and he squawks about it. I don't mean he's putting on any rabbit beef, but he's just saying a few well-chosen words to Bill Summers, who is giving him a few well-frozen looks. Here it comes, Skeeter Webb starts for it, checks his swing just in time, and now Livingston, the catcher, claims that he swung at it. The umpire never succeeds in pleasing anybody. That's ball one and strike one on Skeeter Webb. Webb's no unfamiliar figure here in Chicago. He played five years with the White Sox. Right-handed batter. Vandenberg pitches him. Swung on and missed for strike two. One ball, two strikes now on Webb. The base is chock full of Tigers. And now time is called while Charlie Grimm goes walking out to the mound. He calls Murillo in. He calls Don Johnson in. He calls Livingston to the mound. And they all join Vandenberg there. And there's a high-powered strategy meeting at the mound now with Jolly Charlie directing his Cubs. Down in the bullpen, Derringer and Chipman are still limbering up their pitching arms. So whatever Grimm had to say has been said, and he comes trotting back in that loose jointed fashion of his to the Cub dugout. This is indeed a tough spot. Three runs have already scored here in the top of the sixth inning with the Tigers breaking loose. The bases are loaded. Still, there is only one out. High Vandenberg has relieved Hank Biroi, and he hasn't been too successful up to this point. Outlaw sacrificed on him. Richards was intentionally passed, and then he let Newhouser get away, forcing in a run. Now time is back in. Webb is about ready to go. Hitches up his britches. Steps in there, the right-handed batter. One ball, two strikes on him. Big high Vandenberg, towering giant from Kansas. Kicks the dirt around on the mound. Outfield plays Webb straight away, not too deep. Infield is back pitch to him is swung on, there's a ground ball down to the second baseman, the play at second's one out the play back to first is not in time and another run scores so Webb is marked up as hitting into a force out, he drives in the run nonetheless, bringing in Rudy York from third for the fourth run of this inning for Detroit, moves Richards on down to third and Newhauser is out at second from the second baseman to the shortstop Don Johnson picked the ball up and threw it Murillo fielded it on the pivoted second. His throw on to Cabaretta at first was not in time to get Webb, who's pretty fast on his feet, and I think that's going to be all for Big High Vandenberg. That last run that scored, Yorks, was charged, of course, to Barrow, who put him on. Now four runs across this inning, and the score is five to one. And I believe it's Bob Chipman who's coming in. Yep. That will be all for High Vandenberg. He came in here and faced four men and was unable to shut off the flow of Detroit runs that have been pouring across that plate. So this will be Bob Chipman coming in here. And this will be Bobby's first appearance in the World Series ball game. He's a left-hander, as we told you. He stands about 6'2 a half, weighs around 180 pounds, and he comes from the great borough of Brooklyn in New York. He lives at East Northport out on the island now. Chipman's a 26-year-older. Brooklyn bought him from Atlanta, and then he came on out here to Chicago. So Chipman is the third pitcher to appear on the mound here in this sixth inning. And at this particular moment, it's a rather sorry situation for Charlie Grimm and the Cubs. But, of course, this ball game, like any game in this great American pastime, is not over. Chipman, during the regular season, won four games and lost five. All right, he's completed his warm-up pitches, he's ready to go and the first batter he'll face will be Eddie Mayo and Mayo will be the ninth Tiger to come up this inning Eddie bats left-handed as you know and he is two for three so far he was poisoned to Barowie collected four hits out of seven times up off Barowie, now Mayo is ready and Chipman pitches him outside a curveball broke away low and outside Richards is at third down at first to Skeeter Webb. Two out. Here's the pitch to Mayo. It's low into the dirt. Ball two. So rather silent and at this moment subdued and disappointed Chicago crowd. As the tide of fortune turns very strongly in behalf of the Tigers here in the top of the sixth. Now here's the pitch to Mayo. He lets it go. It's low for ball three. Chipman has pitched three of them and hasn't been able to put one over yet. Now the Brooklyn-born lefty gets ready. Stretches. Delivers to the plate. Mayo takes. It's a fastball strike. The automatic number flips in and over. Three balls, one strike. Big blonde Paul Erickson is working in the bullpen for the Cubs now. Here's the stretch, the pitch to Mayo is outside for ball four and Mayo's walk. That loads up the bases again. Krabs scooting down to second, Mayo at first, and now here's Doc Kramer coming up for the second time this inning. He singled and got to second on Papco's error, and that started all of the activity for the Tigers. He's a left-handed batter, he is. Swings on the first pitch. There it goes down to the second baseman. The play is at first, and Kramer is out, and the side is retired. Kramer out second to first. So in the top of the sixth inning for Detroit, they get themselves four runs on one, two, three, four hits. There were three base runners left on. There was one Chicago error. And the score at the end of five and a half innings of play is Detroit five, Chicago one. To me, the fallaway slide is one of the most exciting plays in all baseball. There's action, believe me, when that steel sign is on. Yes, sir. And that's what you get when you use Gillette lather shaving cream. Water is what softens wiry whiskers for easy shaving, but whiskers are oily and therefore moisture resisting. Now, Gillette Lather Shaving Cream removes the oil almost instantly and blankets plenty of water against your bristles. That way, you give wiry whiskers the old one, too. You knock the starch out of them in a hurry, and you get slick-looking, refreshing shaves. See if I'm not right about this. Ask for Gillette Lather Shaving Cream and enjoy extra shaving ease. We're going to pause ten seconds here now for station identification. This is the mutual broadcasting system. This is WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West. Well, with the score of 5-1 against them, the Cubs come up to bat here in the last half of the sixth inning. And, of course, they're not out of this ball game yet. Lefty Hal Newhouser, the young left-handed star from Detroit, is, of course, anxious to preserve this substantial lead that he enjoys as we go into the last half of the sixth inning. And this guy Newhouser is worth looking at as an athlete. He was a star all through his days in Wilbur Wright High School in Detroit. He's a big 195-pounder, and he stands 6'2". He's 24 years of age. Pitches now to Len Murillo, who swings and misses. This is Murillo's second time up in the series. He's the Cubs shortstop of the afternoon, and he struck out his first time up. Newhouser works. Murillo swings on this one. There's a ground ball down to deep shortstop. Skeeter Webb has it. The throw over to first is in time to get Len Murillo. Murillo is out short to first. At is an interesting kid. He went to Villanova and at 27 years of age, he's prematurely gray or graying a little
1: Attention.
0: Now the batter Attention, is going to be a pinch hitter, I believe Eddie Sauer is coming up He's coming up Eddie. to bat for Chippen, which means Sauer. we'll have another pitcher and I think it'll probably be Erickson Sauer is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where he lives He's a right-handed batter and he stands in there wearing a big number 45 on his back He's a 25-year-old, is Mr. Eddie Sauer. Swings on the first one. There's a high foul going into the stands behind third. Strike one on Sauer. S-A-U-E-R. His wife is here at the series, too. Oh, I keep track of the wives who are here. Now on the mound, Newhouser is rubbing up a new ball. His wife is here, also, as a matter of fact. Let's get out of the wife department. Sauer is standing there, crowding the plate just a trifle. One strike on him. Newhauser works. Now there are two strikes on him. That was a fast one. Two strikes on Eddie Sauer, an outfielder who's up as a pinch hitter. Swings, tips it, and it's held by Richards for a strikeout. That is strikeout number six for Mr. Howell Newhauser. And that's two out for Chicago in the last half of the sixth inning. So if you think Newhauser's moving up close to a record for strikeouts in a World Series ball game, we can relax a bit. The record is 13. It's held by Howard Emke of the A's. That's a surprise starter back in 29 for Connie Mack. Now the batter standing in there is Stanley Hack, and the first pitch to him is a fast ball strike. As Newhauser cuts everything loose he's got now and bears down. Hack has one hit out of one official time's up. He was walked once. Swings, misses. Strike two on Stan Hack. Hack looks a little disgusted with himself and backs out of the batter's box and beats the bat on the ground. Two strikes on him. Steps in there vowing that this youngster is not going to fool him again. Pitch is swung on, fouled off. Lands on the screen here and rolls on down. There's little Jimmy Shalikas, the Cub bat boy. Made a nice catch on the ball as it rolled off the screen. Charlie Grimm coaching at third, still with those loose pantomime antics of his. Calling on Hack to get a hit. Two strikes on Hack. That pitch is low and outside for ball one. One and two. This is Hack's fourth World Series. He hit 471 in the 38 series against the Yanks, hit 227 back in 35 against the Tigers, but in 32 he was just in as a pinch runner. Let's it go, does Hack outside for ball two? You can undoubtedly hear in the crowd, Mike, the call on the balls and strikes by Billy Summers. He's very vocal. The two and two pitch to Hack is outside for ball three. Either Derringer or Erickson are going to come in here to pitch for Chicago when inning number seven gets underway. They're both warming up down there. Now Newhouser's having a little trouble here with Stan Hack. He had two strikes on him. Then he tried for the outside corner some fancy stuff on the next three and it's three and two now now Hack swings on this one there's a high bounder the Jimmy Outlaw stops nicely throws across to first to York and Hack is out Outlaw was very fast on that had to go to sharply to his left at full speed took it whipped it all over there in the same motion and in the last the sixth inning for Chicago there are no runs no hits no errors and no base runners left on and the score at the end of six full innings of play is five for Detroit and one for Chicago and I think the next pitcher is going to be Derringer Yep, it's big Oom Paul Derringer, the big guy from down Kentucky way. Striding in there, Derringer appeared in the ball game yesterday, you know. He pitched one and two-thirds innings and gave up two hits. So he's got a job cut out for him today. Because the Chicago cause now all rests on their turning back these Tigers as rapidly as they can and getting in here and making up some runs. See what they can do about that four-run deficit at this particular point. Derringer, who's a great big guy, during the regular season, won 16 and lost 11, and a veteran, a grand old veteran of this game, is completing his warm-up pitches. He's a huge man, as we told you yesterday, weighs 230 pounds, stands around (laughs) 6'4", kicks that left leg of his way up in the afternoon breeze as he cuts loose with his pitch coming out of his wind-up. And Derringer's got plenty to do, because the first batter he's going to face is going to be Big Hank Greenberg. Greenberg has had a double out of three times up today. Big Hank has been a power for these Tigers, as of course everybody knows in the series. Now Hank is flexing his right arm. Sort of got a kink in his right elbow. It's all right, though, and he steps in and is ready to go. And Big Derringer kicks and pitches to him. It's down low for ball one. Darringer is the fourth Chicago pitcher this afternoon. Roy knocked out in inning number six. Then Vandenberg came in, and he didn't last, and Chipman came in. Then Chipman was Derek for a pinch hitter, Eddie Sauer. Now Derringer works slowly, sidearms it outside. Ball two. Two and zero. the count on Hank Greenberg. First batter in inning number seven. Greenberg's parents came to this country from Romania, went into the textile business, and Hank was headed for that until he started playing semi-pro baseball over in Brooklyn swings on one there's a high fly back into short left field back goes Len Murillo the shortstop and he's running away and he can't come up with it he falls in for a hit and Greenberg is heading for second and he goes in standing up and it's a double Played a high fly Get back there between Murillo the shortstop and Peanuts Lowry the left fielder Murillo signaled for it and tried to take it going away and he couldn't get his hands on it and it fell right in front of him as he had his back to the plate and was running out into short left field looks as if Lowry might have gotten it but That's all under the heading of speculation. So it's a double for Greenberg, and that's his second double to left field. One a slashing drive, and this one a high-towering fly. Now the batter up is Cullenby. Left-handed batter. Here's the pitch to Roy. He bunts it back toward the mound. Derringer has it. The play is going to be at third, and Greenberg is safe. that was a bunt popped up in front of the plate Derringer playing it the gutsy way went up, picked it up, threw it down to Hackett third, but Greenberg, long and lanky slid in ahead of the throw and he's on and of course Cullenbein is on at first on a fielder's choice so the very courageous play on the part of Derringer didn't work out and now the situation is tougher than it was it was Greenberg at third and Cullenbein at first and the batter up there is Rudy York pitch to him is low and inside for ball one he's hit 239 home runs in his lifetime and that's a lot of home run hitting Fitzgroom has swung on there's a high fly back to second base back on the grass goes Don Jans- Johnson in short center field and it's Papko who comes in and takes it and here's the throw to the plate and Greenberg who started to the plate turns around and goes back to third Papko can throw that's one out and it looked for a moment as if they were going to have a little bit of a rondelay in short center field over that one. Don Johnson, the second baseman, was back, and Papco was coming in. And at the last minute, Johnson fell away, and Papco took it, rifled his throw toward the plate. And Greenberg, with proper respect for Papco's arm, which is good, went halfway down, and then when he saw the throw coming, he went back to third. So that's one out, and Greenberg remains at third, and Barn at first, of course. And the batter now is little Jimmy Outlaw. Paul Erickson is warming up for the Cubs. Outlaw, right-handed hitter, is ready. Here's the pitch to him outside, ball one. Outlaw is officially 0 for 2 this afternoon, sacrificed once. He started his Major League Baseball in Cincinnati. Still, Big Greenberg leans down off third. Cullen takes his lead off first now here's the pitch Cullenbine is breaking Outlaw swings on the ball hits it into center field there's a beautiful one-handed catch by Papco here comes the throw to the plate but Greenberg goes in as the throw is cut off by the pitcher in the center of the diamond so Outlaw drives in a run with the fly ball to center field was beautifully caught out there by Papco that was a pretty hard spike ball to the left of Papco had to do quite a run to get it he got it out there but not in time to throw into the plate to head off Greenberg who scored standing up with run number six for Detroit Cullenbine, who was, as I told you, breaking on the play, had gotten himself all the way down to second. He had to do a powerful hurry to get back to first, but he did. So there are two out now, one run in. Cullenbine is first, and the batter up is Paul Richards, the catcher. Hatfield straight away on Richards, respectfully deep. Swings on that one. There's a ground ball down to Hack at third. Hack has it. The throw is across the diamond to Cabaretta. Richards, who had carried his ball, his bat halfway down to first, is out. So in the top of the seventh inning, one run for Detroit. On one hit, a base runner left on, and there were no Chicago errors. The score at the end of the first half of the seventh is Detroit six, Chicago one. Well, with us here in the booth is Augie Galan, popular clutch hitter for Dem bums, beloved in Brooklyn. He used to roam this famous Chicago pasture here in a Cub uniform, and he's known around the circuit as a great team player. Augie We say that teamwork counts in shaving, just as it does in baseball. We mean that because your Gillette razor and Gillette blue blade match up and work together perfectly. They give you shaves worth writing home about. Uh, Do you go along with that, Augie?
2: I sure do, Bill. They're the smoothest shaving combination I ever use. Most of the ball players I know feel the same way about it. Well, thanks.
0: That's putting it putting it very straight, Augie Galan, and I appreciate you coming up to the booth. Manage in using misfit blades that Nick can scrape your face. Get hep to Gillette blue blades and enjoy real shaving comfort. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette blue blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. And now the crowd has stood up, of course. The Loyal Cup fans in the home half of the seventh inning. And here is Don Johnson stepping up there to see what can be done about this spell that Detroit slugging and Newhouser pitching has woven over the Cubs this afternoon. Johnson is a right-handed batter, of course. This is his third time up, and he hasn't hit Newhouser yet. Pitch to Johnson is high for ball one. Johnson over in Detroit on Wednesday got two hits off of Newhauser and two times up. One of them was a double. But Newhouser's been turning him back today. 1-0, the Colin Johnson. Here it comes. Now it's 1-1. One and one. That was a call strike above the knees, over the outside corner. There's that rhythmic clapping of the Chicago fans in the background. Johnson takes. It's high. Ball two. Two and one. Peanuts Lowry's on deck. Now Newhauser is fiddling around on the mound a little bit. The tall, rangy lefty is ready. Here's the pitch, that swung on, fouled off, back against the screen. Two balls, two strikes, to count on Don Johnson. This guy, Don Johnson, first played professional baseball under his father, the famous Ernie Johnson, Yankee and White Sox uh, infielder. That was out in Seattle when Ernie, Don's father, was the manager out there. So Don's learned uh, baseball at his father's knee. Swings on that one, strikes out. Don't think his father would like that. It was a low-breaking curve, a beauty, and it fooled Johnson, who struck out for the second time against Newhouser. That is strikeout number seven for lefty Hal. And the batter facing him now is Peanuts Lowry. Lowry hasn't had much luck with Newhouser pitching today. First inning, he hit into a double play, and the fourth inning, he grounded out to the shortstop. There's a called strike coming in on Peanuts. Newhouser working quickly. Throws a change-of-pace curveball that curves in just a little too much. Ball one. Now Newhouser works once more. Lowry swings, misses, and almost falls down with the force of his futile attempt. He was swinging for that one. That's characteristic of Peanuts. He's a money player. And incidentally, a very swell little guy. Newhouser pitches him. high up toward the peak of his cap jerked his head back out of the way for ball two two balls two strikes now Lowry looks at that one swings on it there's a blooper back to shortstop back goes Skeeter Webb in comes Kramer neither can come up to it it falls in for a hit a looping fly ball falls in between Skeeter Webb going back from shortstop and Kramer driving in from center field and it's a hit for Lowry and he's on and here comes Cabaretta Cabaretta has five hits out of 16 times up in the series, but yesterday he went hitless and struck out twice. So far today he's been up twice, hasn't hit, struck out once. So Phil is about due. He's a left-handed hitter, and he's a power hitter of the National League. Pitch to him is high. Determined fellow is Phil Cabaretta. He can hit when the chips are down. They're down now. Pitches outside. Quite a wide breaking curve away from Cabaretta for ball two, and Chicago hopes soar. Despite the fact that Cabaretta is a very prolific hitter and hits left handed, the outfield plays in practically straight away. It's a pretty good sized hole in the infield between the second baseman Mayo and Rudy York, too. That pitch is low and outside the fill for ball three. Now, George Castor is warming up a bit for the Tigers. There's a call strike on Cabaretta. Newhauser whipped in the automatic number. Lowry leads off first. Pitch Cabaretta's low into the dirt for ball four, and he's put on. Men at first and second now. That's just the second walk given up by Newhauser. He walked the first batter of the ball game, Stanley Hack. Hadn't walked anybody up until now in the last half of the seventh. He walked Cabaretta to put Phil Cabaretta at first and Peanuts Lowry at second. And that brings up Andy Papko. Now let's see what Newhouser can do with Papco now. He struck him out both times that Andy's been up there previously in this ball game. Papko, a right-handed batter. Swings on one, hits it on the ground. Newhouser picks it up. The throw to second is in time for one out. And there's no chance for a throw on to first. Mayo fielding the ball at second. Papco hits into a force out. He himself is on at first base. The cabaretta is erased at second base. Pitcher to the second baseman. That's two out as Lowry crossed down to third on the play. Now the batter is bad Bill Nicholson who twice has led the National League in home runs and twice has led the National League in runs batted in in his seven years playing for the Cubs. Bill Summers calls timeout briefly, while the ball that was being thrown by George Casher down there warming up, the Tigers rolled out on the playing field. So here's the situation in the last of the seventh. <laughs> Half at first, Lowry at third, two out, and Nicholson up. Pitches low into the dirt and outside to Bell. Richards had to dive swiftly down to his knees to hold it up. Newhouser are ready. Pitches low and outside again for ball two. Nicholson's a dangerous fella. He was cooled off pretty well yesterday by Dizzy Trout. Went 0 for 4 and struck out twice. So far today, hasn't been able to hit a ball out of the infield, but he's always dangerous. Swings on that one, hits it down to third base. Outlaw has it. The play is going to be at second and it is not in time. And the run scores. Simply a matter of a fielder's choice on a ball hit by Bill Nicholson on the ground down to Jimmy Outlaw at third. Outlaw was trying for the force out on Papco at second. Mayo was a little slow getting there, and Papco slid in on his stomach, reached out his hand and touched the bag just before the foot of Mayo stepped on the bag, and so Papco was safe there. And, of course, the runner from third, Lowry, crossed, and that is run number two for Chicago, and it's a 6-2 ball game. Nicholson is at first, of course. The batter now is Mickey Livingston. So Chicago scores in the home half of the seventh, and some of the margin that separates them from the Tigers is made up. And their run is at first and second with two out. McAllen Livingston has a ball. He swings on that one. There's a long fly ball down the right field line. I don't know. It falls fair. It falls fair. In comes Casco to score. In comes Nicholson to score. And the ball bounces into the stands out there for an automatic double. I was watching that ball very carefully because I'm practically sighting exactly down the right field line. And all the way I couldn't tell whether it was going to fall fair or foul, and it uh, fell fair by, I should say, not more than six inches. Bounced right up into the stands. Now there's a bit of a discussion here, and it may be that Nicholson will be forced to go back to third. Yeah. Yep. He goes back to third. Automatic double. Allows Pafco to come in from second, of course. But Nicholson, who was on at first, is only allowed to take two bases on it, so he's put on at third. That's the reason I didn't tell you that two runs had scored officially. Livingston is credited with a double. He's parked on at second. Pascoe's run counts. Nicholson is being dug out of the dugout and put back on third. That's where he is. And there is the situation. And Murillo is scheduled to hit. I think we may have a pinch hitter for him. I'm not absolutely certain. Looks like Dewey Williams. Yep, it's Dewey Williams, a catcher. And the Cubs have five catches in this series, which I think is the greatest number of catches any team has taken into the series. Now that play is being explained to the crowd over the loudspeaker. The score is 6-3 to three as the Cubs stage a rally off Hal Newhouser and the Tigers here in the last of the seventh. She's a terrific ball game. Now Murillo is being lifted for a pinch hitter, Dewey Williams. Williams is a right-handed batter. He's a catcher. He hails from Durham, North Carolina swings and misses the first one and this Williams coming up there as a pinch hitter is a rather interesting situation for Paul Richards who managed Dewey Williams for two years when Dewey played for Atlanta so Richards knows about what to call on Williams he called for one low and inside that time and he got it and Williams took it that makes the count on Williams one ball one strike Nicholson is at third remember Livingston is at second two are out here it comes, high, ball two. Grim is just about to explode in that coaching box down there at third. Jolly Charlie, the left-handed banjo strummer, one of the most genial and comical fellows in all baseball, also one of the smartest. All right, here's the pitch to Williams. He takes it high, and that is ball three. Dewey Williams, third string catcher for the Cubs, batting in the clutch here, there's a called strike, the ball came in just below his shoulder, and now, everything is as tight as it can be, the count on the batter is three and two, and Williams backs out of there to ease the tension a bit. It comes the pitch to him, it is full
1: strike three, and he's out of there.
0: Newhouse, it came through, flipped in the fancy one on the three and two count, and that was all for Chicago on the last of the seventh. Two runs for the Cubs on two hits. They had two base runners left on, and there were no errors by Detroit. So the score at the end of seven full innings of play is Detroit six, Chicago three. I wouldn't go away if I were you all. Remember, too, fans, that Bill Carm of the New York Journal-American sports staff will give the summary of today's thrilling game at the conclusion of our play-by-play report. So stay tuned in for Bill Cora. Now we go into inning number eight. Oh, boy. Newhouse is scheduled to be the first hitter for Detroit. Very likely will come out. And we have a new Chicago pitcher out there. While he's completing his warm-up pitches, no, it's a Derringer staying in there. While he's completing his warm-up pitches, why uh, we're going to pause here ten seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
3: This is WGN of Chicago serving
0: the Middle West. As a change in the infield of the Cubs as we move into the eighth inning, Billy Schuster comes in at shortstop in place of Len Murillo, who was lifted for the pinch hitter Dewey Williams. So Schuster is there, ready to go at shortstop. The batter is Newhouser, and Derringer pitches to him. And Newhouser bloops it up in the air, down the third baseline, and it's taken by Stan Hack in foul territory. So one ball is pitched, and is out of there. Fouling out the third baseman of the Cubs. One away. That brings up the top of the Detroit batting order. Skeeter Webb coming up for the fifth batting around of the Detroit Tigers.
1: Billy Schuster is from Buffalo, New York.
0: He's playing at shortstop now for the Cubs. Derringer pitches a fast call strike to Skeeter Webb. Webb is one for three in this ballgame, and he scored one of the six runs the Tigers have. Started for that one, pulled up just in time. Billy Schuster there at shortstop, Buffalo all the way, born and raised there. That's a strike on Webb. He started for it, checked his swing, and it came curving in and over. One ball, two strikes. 6-3 6-3 to three ball game top of the 8 Derringer works fouled off by Webb right into the crowd there and there's the kind of a man he had a girl with him and the ball was coming right at her and he jumped up and put himself between the ball and the girl like to see that sort of thing where men and men one ball and two strikes on Webb swings on that one loops it back to shortstop Billy Schuster scarcely moving takes it just a blooper from Webb to Schuster That's two out for Detroit in the top of the eighth. Now the batter is Eddie Mayo. Mayo was selected as the most valuable player by the correspondence of the Sporting News. He's been pretty valuable to Detroit here today. as two hits out of three official times up. That's left-handed as Eddie of Clifton, New Jersey. He runs up on that one as if to punt it, and then it isn't good, and he doesn't do anything, and it's a ball. Big Oom Paul Derringer takes plenty of time. The big wind-up, the pitch to Mayo is good. That was a three-quarter speed curveball that came over there with all the artistry that Derringer has mastered in these many years in the big leagues. One and one. Mayo takes it a fast one just outside, and Derringer comes in. Beefing a bit about that. Well, that's his privilege. Beef isn't rationed anymore. Two balls, one strike on Mayo, left-handed batter. He swings on that one. It was a slow ball. Schuster feels it at shortstop. The throw over to Cavarada in time, and that's all for Mayo. He's out short the first, and that's all for the Tigers in the top of the eighth inning. Nothing across for them. And the score as we head for the last half of the eighth inning is Detroit six and Chicago three. You men listening to this broadcast have been growing whiskers ever since the game started. Now, to shave tough beard comfortably, you need a razor and blade combination that matches up. As Augie Galan of the Dodgers put it, that is the Gillette razor and Gillette blue blade. They're precision made for each other, fit exactly, work together perfectly. You get good looking shaves, your face feels smooth and refreshed. Yes, with the Gillette Blue Blade and Gillette Razor, you avoid the smart and irritation caused by misfit blades and faulty shaving methods. So ask your dealer for Gillette Blue Blades. You should find them easier to obtain now. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. All right, it's the home half now of the eighth inning. The pitcher, Derringer, is scheduled to come up, but I think Frank Sikori is going to bat in his place. Charlie Grimm using these pinch hitters of his
1: in an effort to make up the
0: three-run margin by which he trails. Sikori has been up twice before in the series as a pinch hitter and hasn't delivered. He's a right-handed batter, and he hails from Fort Huron in the state of Michigan. He was born out in Mason City, Iowa. So Frank, batting right-handed, is ready to face the pitching of Newhouser, and Newhouser pitches him low. Ball one. Looks like Paul Erickson will be the next cup pitcher. He's warming up down there now. Newhauser works. It's swung on by Sikori and missed. Sikori spells his name. S-E-C-O-R-Y. His wife is here, too. So is Newhouser, who's about to pitch. One and one on Sikori. Swung and missed. That was one of Newhauser's swell third balls. This is a fighting club, these Chicago Cubs. One ball, two strikes on Sicari now. Newhouse yeah. are working. Sicari swings on it. There's a towering high infield fly. Back on the grass goes the second baseman Mayo, and it's wind blown away from him. and falls in for a hit, and Sicari is on. That was a high fly ball. That was a high fly ball, back on the grass, about 15 or 20 yards back of second base. Mayo was going back under it. You could tell it was twisting around up in the air there. The wind had some effect on it, and it fell in right behind of Mayo and right in front of the in-charging Columbine for a single for Sicari, and he is on. Now the batter is Stanley Camfield-Hack. And the outfield shifts around to the left on Hack, a tremendous hole between center and right field. There's a call strike on Stanley. And these Cubs are lashing and fighting their way back against the Tigers. And this is as thrilling a baseball game as you'll ever see. That one's high to Hack for ball one. Georgie Castor is warming up in the bullpen for the Detroit Tigers. He came into them, you know, late in the season from the St. Louis Browns. Newhouser pitches, Hack swings on it. There's a blooping foul down the left field line. Over, into the crowd. Greenberg was going for it and so was little Jimmy Outlaw, who's practically indefatigable. That's one ball, two strikes now on Stanley Hack. Sikori is on at first, nobody out in the last half of the eighth inning. Chicago attacking. Charlie Grimm is about to blow up in that third base coaching box. He beats those hands together. He's a sturdy fellow from Missouri. Now Heck is ready, so is Neuhauser, here's the pitch. Hack swings on it, there's a bounding ball, Neuhauser plays it back at second to the shortstop, the throw on to first is not in time. It was one out at second as Sakari slid in, but Newhouser backing up and fielding that ball, whipped it back over his shoulder to Skeeter Webb, covering at second, forcing Sakari. So Heck is on, hitting into a force out. That makes it one away for Chicago in the last half of the eight. Here's Don Johnson. Right-handed hitting second baseman of the Cubs, who twice has been struck out by Hal Newhouser. Now Johnson steps in there. Hack leads off first. The pitch is very high to Don Johnson for ball one. Oh, what a thriller. Perfectly beautiful afternoon. Sunshine, crowds, thrills, everything. Johnson bunts that one down toward third. Outlaw comes in, feels it. The throw to first is just in time. Close decision. That was a bunt down the third baseline. Outlaw had to come in very fast to handle it. It went right along the line. Picked the ball up, flipped it over to first. Of course, on the play, Hack moved down to second. I think they'll score that as a sacrifice let's make an official check on that I'm quite sure it is two out now hack on at second here's Peanuts Lowry up score is six to three we're in the last of the eighth and Detroit leads Chicago Lowry takes one a curveball just inside ball one outfield pulls Peanuts to hit a little bit over toward left field Nuts is a right-handed batter. Pretty good sized hole between center and right field. Pitch is swung on, there's a high pop-up down toward first, York. And out from the plate comes Richards. It was York who started in for it and Richards ran all the way out to the mound and just to the right of the mound it was Richards who dived in and took it. So Lowry pops out to the catcher, standing out beside the pitcher's place of duty. And that is all for Chicago in the last of the eighth inning. No runs, one hit, a base runner left on. And there were no Detroit errors. So at the end of eight innings, here's the way she wraps up. Six runs for Detroit on nine hits. They have committed no errors. Three runs for Chicago. They've gotten only five hits off of Newhauser. And the Cubs have weighed in with two errors today. So that's how it wraps up at the end of eight full innings of play in this thrilling fifth game of the 1945 World Series here at Wrigley Field in Chicago. You know, Bill Carm of the New York Journal-American sports staff will summarize today's game and review the highlights just as soon as the last man is out. Uh, Stay tuned for Bill Corum. You know, we expressed a moment uh, ago a little bit of a doubt as to whether that would be scored by the official score as a sacrifice on Johnson, and it was. So if you're keeping a box score, why, mark that down. Now it's big, tall, husky blonde Paul Erickson who comes in to do the pitching in the top of the ninth inning for the Chicago Cubs. He is the fifth. Pitcher in here this afternoon. We're always started. Vandenberg, Chipman, then Derringer. And now comes Paul Erickson. Erickson's been in here before. He's pitched four innings so far in the series, and in those four innings, gave up four hits. First batter to face him is Doc Kramer. Kramer, one for four today, steps in there batting left handed. It's a six to three ball game with Detroit in front, and we go into the payoff ninth inning. Erickson's pitch to Kramer is inside for ball one. Now big Paul Erickson grabs hold of that ball, flips it in there, it's swung on, fouled off by Doc Kramer. Strike one. We don't call Erickson big in vain. He stands uh, 6'2 and weighs a little over 200 pounds. He hails from Zion, Illinois, makes his home now in Chicago. One and one on Doc Kramer. There's a slow ball that comes in and fools Kramer for call strike two. Erickson taking plenty of time. Has his signal now from Mickey Livingston, the catcher. Here comes the pitch. It's swung on and there's a blooper foul just outside of third base. Manager Steve O'Neill, stout Steve, bends over and feels it. Steve O'Neill, the manager of the Tigers, looking a little bit happy right now. One ball, two strikes on Kramer, the first batter in the ninth. Erickson works. Kramer swings on it, fouls it off into the screen right in front of us here. We have a very excellent facility here for broadcasting the game. A fine booth just slightly to the left of home plate. Midway between the first and second tier. Kramer starts for that one, lets it go. Bounces up and hits him on the foot. Hit him right on the foot. It didn't bounce up, I beg your pardon. Hit him on the foot, the left foot, as it came in from the pitcher. So he's hit by the pitch, and he's put on. He was down very close to the ground. That's the second Tiger who's been hit by the pitch in the series. Barroe hit Greenberg by the pitch in the first ball game over in Detroit on Wednesday. So Kramer is on. The batter now is Hank Greenberg. Greenberg has two doubles out of four times up today. He's been poking that Greenberg long ball. Swings on that one, slaps it out into left field, and it falls in for a hit. It gets away from Lowry. It's bouncing off the wall there. Kramer is rounding third, but he's holding up at third as Greenberg, slowed down by that ankle of his, goes into second with a double, his third of the ball game. Boy, that was a solidly spanked blow. It was sharp into left field. He pulled it around there. Peanuts Lowry driving fast to his right. Couldn't stop it. It bounded off the vine-covered wall out there, and Lowry had to chase it. Framer stopping at third. Greenberg at second. That's the tenth hit for the Tigers. I wonder what the record on doubles in one World Series ballgame is. Four is the record, and this guy has three. Cullenbein is stepping up there now to be the hitter. Swings misses. It's a strike. So unless this game goes into extra innings, why, Greenberg will not have a chance to come up to the record of four doubles in one World Series game, set by Frank Isbell of the White Sox. Here's Columbine lifting a long fly in the deep center field, back, back, back goes Papco, he cannot get it, it falls against the wall, I think Papco is hurt back there, here comes Kramer in to score, and the nope, he's not hurt, he's just trying to get a hold of the ball that bounced up into the stands, and it is an automatic double. that will permit both of these runners to score and the chap who hit it Mr. Roy Cullenbine, with his second double of the series and his third hit of the series is parked on at second Kramer scores from third and Greenberg who had doubled comes in from second and the score now is eight to three and the Tigers increase their lead here in the top of the ninth inning that ball I believe was lost in the ivy up there in the vines that was hit on the fly, about 395 feet into straightaway deep center field. So they're teeing off on Erickson. Two doubles off of him. Now the batter is Rudy York. There's a fast call strike on Rudy. Lon Warneke is warming up in the bullpen for the Cubs. And the crowd is commencing to stir toward the exits. Pitch to York is hit down and caught by Hank. Nice stop by Mr. Hack, who had to leap up high to his left to grab that line drive. That makes one out in the top of the ninth inning, York lining out to Stan Hack. Cullen Vine, of course, remains at second. The batter now is little Jimmy Outlaw. And he's tucking his shirt a little bit tighter down into his britches before he steps in there and grabs that bat and goes to, up to see what he can do. As for what he's done so far today, he's 0 for 3. That pitch is wide to him. Mickey Livingston had to jump sharply to his right to hold it. Ball one on Outlaw. She's an 8-3 ball game with Detroit in front. Erickson works. Outlaw swings on it. There's a ground ball at the deep shortstop. It's fielded down there by Billy Schuster. The throw to first is in time. And Outlaw is out and Cullenbein holds at second. Two away batter is Paul Richards, the tall, dark-haired catcher from Texas, who has a long neck and a prominent Adam's apple. That's right-handed, and he has one hit today and three official times up. First pitch to him is just a little inside, ball one. There's no underestimating the importance of Richards to that Tiger setup. He's a 37-year-old veteran and a very cagey fella. He's had tremendous influence. On straightening out the pitching of Hal Newhauser, who was addicted to wildness in these early days, Richards starts to swing, follows through, and it's a strike on him. It's a high curve. One ball, one strike. Two out, and Roy Cullenbine standing down at second with his hands on his hips. The big blonde Paul Erickson steps back now and picks up the rosin bag. He's ready to pitch to Richards Here it comes Richards takes a call strike Just above the waist on the outside corner One ball, two strikes (coughs) Erickson taking a lot of time Stretches now Works Richards fouls it off on the ground and big bulky Roy Cullenbine, who's not taking too much of a lead off second turns around walks back to the bag again he puts his hands on his hips one ball two strikes on Richards Erickson working Richards taking its outside ball two two and two these Tigers have bashed out four doubles today Greenberg has gotten three of them Ellenbein got the other one. He had a double yesterday. That one's low into the dirt. Bounces up into the glove of Mickey Livingston to make it ball three and strike two on Paul Richards. <laughs> now, Erickson is taking plenty of time. Quiet settles over the throng here. it will be the last half of the ninth for Chicago. Custer's last stand for the Cubs. They'll be trying to do all they can. Pitch to Richards is swung on. There's a high Baltimore chop off of the plate, and it's fielded by Erickson. The throw to first is in time by an eyelash. So Richards is out, and that is out number three for Detroit in the top of the ninth inning. This ninth inning brought two more runs for the Tigers on two hits, two doubles. They had a base runner left on, and there were no errors by the Chicago Cubs. So as we head for the last half of the ninth inning and the last bats for the home standing Chicago Cubs, Here's the way the box totals look right now. Eight runs for Detroit on 11 hits, the Tigers have made no errors. Three runs for Chicago on five hits, they've been guilty of two misplays. And now as we head for the last half of the ninth inning, Hal Newhouser, who was disappointing in the first game of the World Series, but has been sterling today, is out there completing his warm-up pitches. The young 24-year-old who is very rangely built, very athletic build he has, working that long left arm of his. As we've repeatedly mentioned, this chap, Newhauser, has one of the greatest pitching records extant in baseball at this particular moment. Last year, in the season, he won 29 and lost but nine. This year, he won 25 and lost but nine. So in two years, this young 24-year-old out there, who was a product of Detroit all the way, even from Detroit high schools on up, has won 54 ball games and lost only 18 in two years. He lost his first game in the World Series. My personal hunch is he was a little nervous for a young fellow. It was his first World Series performance. But today, after the first inning, that nervousness fell away from him. And he moved in on the Cubs, and he's pitched a beautiful ball game. He's the strikeout king of the American League this year. Struck out 211 of them. He pitched 312 innings. That's more than any other pitcher in the American League this year. And he was voted the most valuable player of the season of 1944. That is young Hal Newhauser, who is rubbing up the ball now as we get into the last half of the ninth inning and preparing to pitch to the strikeout, to the batting king of the National League of 1945, Phil Cabaretta. He struck out Cabaretta once today and turned him back without a hit in two official times up. Newhouser's pitch to Cabaretta is a good curveball over the inside corner for a called strike. Now Big Hal Toils. There's a slow ball that goes outside for ball one. One and one, the count on Phil Cabaretta. Pitch is swung on, there's a high fly ball going into center field. Racing in under to Doc Kramer over his Columbine, and it falls between. Now, Columbine was pointing to Kramer, and Kramer was standing looking at Columbine, and it's the double for Cabaretta, who had raced it all the way around the second. That looked like an easy out. But John Kramer and Roy Cullenbine decided to put on the Gaston and Alphonse act and while they stood there bowing low to each other for the honor of catching the ball, the ball fell between them for a double for Cabrera, And he's up there and now here's Papco. Papco swings on one and misses it. It was a low breaking curveball. That was Cabaretta's sixth hit of the series. Mixed in those six hits is a home run that he hit over in Detroit. And now PAFCO stands up there. PAFCO hasn't hit today. As a matter of fact, PAFCO hasn't hit since the first ball game. He was hotter than soup that first day in Detroit last Wednesday. He went three for four. But since then, PAFCO has yet to get a hit. And as Al just pointed out to me, it was Cabrera, Pafko, and Nicholson, who were up in the last half of the ninth inning yesterday. And thanks to extreme politeness between the center fielder of the Detroit Tigers and their right fielder, Cabaretta is on with a double. Cabaretta flied out to center field when he came up yesterday. Almost did that today. Now Papco takes a fast, called strike. That one was just below the waist and it had a tremendous amount of Newhouser steam on it. Two strikes on Papco. Cabaretta leading off second. Here it is. Papco swings on a breaking curve ball and he is out of there. That is strike three. And for young Newhouser. That is strikeout number nine in this ballgame. And that's one out in the last half of the night. Caporetta is at second, and here is bad Bill Nicholson. The big boy hasn't hit today, and he didn't hit yesterday. He fouled out to uh, Richards to close the ballgame out yesterday. Richards came right over here and made the catch right up against the wall. Now Newhouser pitches Nicholson with one away, and it's a ball outside. Here it comes. Nicholson swings on it. A high fly comes back into the stands. Strike one. Newhauser with a new ball is blowing his breath on it, rubbing it up very carefully. Every pitch is important. This young Detroiter wants to clinch this World Series victory. It's eight to three now. One out. The pitch to Nicholson is a fast ball strike. Had a hook on it. Right across the chest of Bell right above that place where they have the big yellow C with UBS written on the inside of it. Nicholson swings on that one. It's a clean single to center field. Here's Cabaretta, rounding third, coming in to score. Kramer picks up the ball out there and finally throws it into second base where Mayo is. That's a run for Chicago. They have four runs now. The score is eight to four. Cabaretta driven in from second by Nicholson, who came through with his first hit of the ball game. A sharp single to center field. That brings up Mickey Livingston. That's seven hits off Newhauser, Livingston, a right-handed batter, steps in, swings on the first one. There's a long hit ball to deep right field. Columbine is going over, makes a nice catch on it. And Nicholson has to hurry to get back to first. That was a well-hit ball. It was to the right of Columbine and he ran over, and right in front of the Vines out there, he grabbed it in. That's two out. Cubs, as it has been pointed out to us, have now used seventeen players in this ball game. And the most players to be used by a club in a ball World Series ballgame was 18 by the Giants back in 1936. Now the batter up is Billy Schuster. He swings on one. There's a high foul up. Richards is over, he's under it, down toward third, and he takes it for the final out just as he did yesterday. So that is the last out of the ball game, and the Tigers win by a score of eight to four. In the home half of the ninth inning, if you're keeping uh, box totals with us, one run for the Cubs on two hits. There was a base runner left on, and there were no Detroit errors. And the final rundown is eight runs for Detroit on 11 hits and no errors, four runs for Chicago on seven hits and two errors. And now the Tigers have taken the rubber ball game of this particular series. Well, Bill Corham is on his way down through the press stand, and he'll summarize today's game for you in just a moment. Speaking of the war and our victory, An old-timer said to me the other day, Well, it was a job that needed doing, and so we did it. Well, he's right, and now we've got another job that needs doing. In every community, I mean a successful transition from war to peace. A great part of that job is falling on the shoulders of those who discharged their work so well during the war. The home front volunteers. These men and women are needed as badly as ever. Hospitals are still short of nurses' aides. The Red Cross still needs canteen workers. Local price control boards everywhere face a stiff fight against inflation, and selective service boards are busy processing discharged servicemen. So, if you are a volunteer who has quit, please get back on the job. It's a job that needs doing urgently. And now for his summary of the highlights of this fifth game of the 45 World Series, here's your friend and mine with a smile on his face and a lot of facts and figures and color talking. in his head, Bill
2: Corrin. Bill? Thank you, Bill. Cubs couldn't quite own that Tiger today but to their everlasting credit it can be said that they kept growling and clawing right to the finish as they did there in that ninth inning when they were pecking away at Newhauser and threatening to stage a rally but the Tigers were too far away after all they made the most hits the fewer errors and all important the most runs and they pay off in this game on that there was every kind of baseball here this afternoon. Some I've never even seen, and I doubt if anybody ever saw a ball in a major league park sort of lost in the weeds. Uh, Cullenbine drove Pavco back there in the ninth inning and hung one in the Ivy, and Pavco couldn't get the ball out, and it looked like uh, Cullenbine had put him in the Ivy League for a while. But uh, fly balls were falling around here for doubles and singles, and it looked at one time as if you could get the ball in the air tall, it would fall safe. Of course, there was a very high sky here today, which accounts for some of that, and then the boys seemed to have their signals crossed, particularly the Tiger outfield, although the Cubs were not blameless. One of Greenberg's, three doubles, and Greenberg was the big gun again, hitting three doubles in a row. One of them was tainted, falling out there, a real fly ball that uh, Lowry should have caught. But the shortstop, Morallo, drove him off the ball and it went for a double. So it was really a story of Newhouser pitching very courageous ball and great ball in the pitches when he had to and the big bats of the Tigers, particularly Greenberg's, slashing the ball all over the lot. Cullen hit, I guess, was about the longest, except possibly for Greenberg's homer, which you couldn't tell. It went in the stands in Detroit. But the longest hit ball of the series. It was right back there in the deepest part of center field. Now, uh, the Tigers had their usual big four-run inning, and in every game they won, and of course they've won three now and hold the whip hand in this series, and could win it tomorrow for their second World Championship, only won one before, they got that four runs that they always seem to get. And Andy Pafko, who had turned in two of the most beautiful catches of the series in the first inning to turn them back, catching long, long hits by Greenberg and Kramer, one in left center and one in right center with his gloved hand, started it off and couldn't save Baroi as he had in this first inning in the sixth. He started it off with an error when he let Kramer's single roll through his legs and go for a double, and that was the opening gun of the big four inning, and after that it went something like this. The Tiger power hitters had been meeting Baroi's serves right on the Fort Frick signature on the ball even before that, and it was pretty obvious that they were going to get the Hank today, who was the Cubs' best pitcher this year, and sort of won the pennant for him, and that he wasn't going to go this nine inning. The slugging Greenberg sent Framer over after he'd singled in that sixth with a double down the left field line. Hank's trick leg buckled on Dream going from first to second, and he fell down. But the ball was so well hit that he could have crawled onto that base. Greenberg took time out to rest his leg a little and stayed gamely on in the game. Cullenbein followed with a single. Cavaretta got hold of the ball, made a gorgeous stop, but let the ball slip out of his throwing hand when he might possibly have turned it into a sparkling play, and everybody was safe. Greenberg stopping at third. He scored from there when York, a truly fancy Dan, first baseman in this series, by the way, with all those sharp one-handed stabs and pickups he's been making down around that first base, he's been a revelation. revelation. He singled to center and sent Baroy for a dip in the waters of regret. I, Vandenberg, then came on to pitch and Outlaw moved the two runners along with a sacrifice. I then passed Richards intentionally and Neuhauser unintentionally on four straight pitches to force in a third Tiger marker. While Webb was forcing New at second, York scored the Bengals' fatal fourth run. Crap shooters, I've been told, by bad boys, although, of course, I would know anything about it personally, sometimes have trouble making that four. But not these gentlemen from Detroit. The numeral four is their deep dish apple pie. They won those three games, as I said before, and in each one of them they've had that big four-run inning. Now it'll be Claude Passo, the almost... Perfect pitcher of the Cubs in the third game in Detroit back in there to try to stave off the feet and prolong this series if he can and send it into a seventh game tomorrow against Virgil Fire Trucks. And that V in Virgil's name looks as if it might stand for victory the way he pitched up there in Detroit. And anyhow, the Little Bears, with their backs to their own ivy-clad wall here in Wrigley Field, will be playing with fire against that great fastball pitcher who just came out of the Navy and pitched only twice before... The last game of the series down in St. Louis a week ago, and not of the series but of the season, I mean, and then the game in the series in which he pitched so beautifully in Detroit. So that'll be the lineup for tomorrow. And there's all kinds of things I could tell you about this ball game, particularly Newhouse's uh, pinch pitching. When he had to get Dewey Williams, for instance, there in the eighth inning, when the Cubs were tearing back and looked like they might even then turn the ball game upside down, he took Dewey like Dewey took Manila. And that he had when he had to have it, though he wasn't a great pitcher this afternoon, throwing mostly a nice curveball, some fast stuff, fairly fast, not as fast as I've seen him. Of course, his arm is not really in good shape, we know that, and an occasional screwball. Anyhow, he was good enough to win, and the Tiger bats are roaring, and they look to be now in a beautiful spot in this series, and they played good ball most of the time to do it. Of course, there are always the mistakes and errors, but they are part of the game, too, and everybody makes them. So, fans, until tomorrow at 1.15 Eastern Standard Time, Time when we report the crucial sixth game of this 1945 World Series for you. Smooth sailing, smooth shaving, and good afternoon from your host, the Gillette Safety Razor Company, Bill Slater, Al Hofer, and your friend Bill Coral. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette blue blades with the sharpest edges ever honed.